There is perhaps no team more interlocked with the history of the U.S. men's national team than Colombia. It was Andres Escobar's own goal that gave the U.S. a 2-1 victory in the 1994 World Cup, the U.S.'s first World Cup victory in nearly 50 years. By making it out of the group stage on home soil, World Cup fever overtook the U.S. and helped propel soccer from an afterthought to its current level of popularity. But this fortunate break for the U.S. wasn't without a cost. The Colombian defender who had accidentally put in that own goal, Andres Escobar, was murdered just eight days after that fateful match, allegedly as punishment for the own goal. The World Cup can put a spotlight on the participating countries as the world tunes in and learns about their cultures through their football teams. Needless to say, this high-profile murder was not a good look for Colombia. But that was then, and this is now. Just 20 years after the World Cup spotlight exposed the worst in Colombia, the 2014 World Cup exposed the best. A pucky underdog who won their first four games and made James, or should I say, James Rodriguez, into a household name. And now Colombia, a country with 40-year lows in crime after decades of effort, will once again get their chance on the international stage. Can they build off their quarterfinal appearance and make an even deeper run? This underdog team should have no shortage of fans. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Colombia. States no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, <laughs> Columbia, here we are, man. Good second take, Joe. Nobody will ever suspect a thing. <laughs> Joe, uh, this is so exciting. I feel like missed the first time I'm saying this. Getting getting murdered for some for something that happens on the soccer pitch. It's always harsh. Yeah. As I, as I was researching it, Joe, for the, for the intro, the, he was murdered, and they did eventually catch the guy who, who went to prison and is now out of prison because it happened a, a long time ago, and his jail sentence, you know, he got released. But apparently, I mean, there's sort of this, like, maybe some sort of cover-up. I think certain people aren't sure exactly who is responsible, but I think uh, one of the, like, leader of a drug cartel or something had bet a lot of money on the Colombian national team and then lost the bet as a result of this own goal. And then, you know, I, I'm not necessarily sure they were seeking this guy out. Maybe they were, I don't know, but they, they saw the opportunity and, you know, let me ask you this though. So this guy goes to jail and he is in uh, probably not like a minimum security prison. Right. But even, even like a, a tough prison has a yard. And when they go out in the yard, like, what do you think they're doing out there? In Colombia, I mean, they're probably playing soccer. Exactly. Can you imagine this guy on your team and you like, you, you make a bad pass and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was wondering where you were going with that, Joe. You took it to the most horrible place. You know, they apparently um, 
on the World Cup telecast. This was also on the Wikipedia page. Apparently, the next day after, because the World Cup's still going on. I mean, this murder happens, uh, you know, a week after this game. Like the, the that was just in the the group stage. I mean, the, the World Cup is not even close to over. And one of the commentators made a reference to like uh, some defender missed an assignment or something, and you know the the commentator was like, you know. Where I come from, you'd get shot if you like play that badly. <laughs> you know, had to be disciplined. They're like, uh, Ooh, cool yeah. it on the like yeah. players getting shot references. It's not good. Yeah, for real. That yeah, that that's like too soon, too close to home. Dude, I mean, it's still too soon. It's horrible. I mean, apparently this guy was a very good guy. He's he has like um, national holiday based around. I mean, he was just like a really good guy was doing all sorts of stuff to help Colombia, which at the time was much more dangerous. I don't think it was in its peak dangerous era. I don't think it was peak um, sort of drug cartel uh, violence, but it was certainly still a very dangerous place, certainly much more dangerous than it is today. And, you know, he was trying to shed a light on the positive aspects of Colombia. And then, you know, to be murdered for a mistake in a, in a soccer match is... is um, Not you know, a positive aspect. Yeah, It's insane insane well that's a real positive note to start on for this team well look we are fair arbiters of the team we have to evaluate um every aspect of it and and, you know there's going to be a bit of a surprise in this episode joe is that you we've got some some primary uh sources here i mean you you have interviewed uh a a person who who's i guess colombian who grew up in colombia and, you know, for multiple segments in this podcast, we're just going to be throwing it to your interviews and, and hearing uh, the information. Yeah, I mean, we talked to a real live Colombian, well, Colombian-American, really, uh, for this episode. Yeah. And, Joe, just to let's, let's just get it started uh, with that. Just I'm going to play his introduction and we're just going to learn a little bit more about him, and then we'll we'll come back to us. So this is a fairly long introduction. It goes in a lot of different directions, but uh, you know, well, it's going to be fun all throughout the episode. And you know, for our, our guests, you star sparkling audio quality, Joe. I believe you um, you just put the phone up to the microphone. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I put it up to the microphone, but then also, you know, like my arm would get tired, so I kind of move the phone a little bit. It, it was not stellar producing on my part. Yeah, it's not great. But once you once you listen to it, uh, you, you get used to it. So I, I had it was tough at first, but everybody will get used to it. And there's some really good stuff in here. So uh, let's let's kick cut to our our first little segment here. Before we get into the research, a few other just setup things. So first of all, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it came up in, you know, your your dad being a rabbi came up, but um, we should also note for our listeners that you are also a rabbi. Your wife is a rabbi. Um, is there like a friends and family discount? Like, how does that work exactly? Like, like is it like um, like a punch card at, at rabbinic school or like, what's the deal there? It's funny. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no benefit to having a parent rabbi except for, you know, having some upbringing that's Primes you for, for, for success in the, in the area of study. Um, you know, amazingly, I had the opportunity to study under some of the the same um, rabbis and, and professors that my dad had when he was in school, and to compare notes with him about the experience. 
Uh, notably, one of my father's favorite professors uh, often would, you know, get confused when I was in his class and call me by my father's name. Uh, which was, <laughs> you know, a very special experience for me. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, as far as dietary is concerned, you know, uh, one of the incredible features that of, of my the modern Jewish community is that because, you know, it's considered Judaism has embraced female clergy um, and, you know, allowed for women in, in, the more, in the more recent years, you know, LGBT people to, to come to seminary and to learn, um, it's becoming more and more common that people find their significant other um, in yeah. study. Yeah, and, that makes um, sense. My, my wife is the most talented rabbi and cantor that I know. And uh, and uh, it just is a you know it's this first kismet that we were in the same place at the same time trying to passionately get involved with the same tradition. Um, now, would your dad would your dad have been more excited with you becoming a rabbi, which you did? I'm sure he's very proud of you. Or had you gone to work for Apple? So, you know, uh, you should know, and, um, you know, I would love your religious consultation on this. Uh, so, so our podcast now has had maybe, um, you know, we probably have like 80 or so 90 hours of content out there and we have a very dedicated fan base and one that is growing. We just, I just found out that we're the. We're the, we're the number 4,000, top 4,000 podcast on Stitcher, meaning that there are only 3,999 wow. podcasts that you could be on right now with more listeners. Um, and one thing that's happened and, you know, completely outside of our control is our podcast has sparked a little bit of a religion, actually. Um, it's called, it's called Joe Picks Podism and it, uh, it's, it's, you know, structurally it, pulls from a lot of different religions, but, um, you know, (laughs) picking and my picks in particular are sort of, um, a central tenant of the religion. Uh, it's an open religion. We've already defined based on some listener questions. You can be a Buddhist and also still be a Joe picks potist. Um, you know, but it's a young religion. I mean, we're still generating doctrine, um, but much like, you know, much like the, the old Testament or, you know, whatever, like, uh, once this podcast is over, you know, it's going to be there for posterity's sake for, for, you know, generations of people to analyze and review every word. So, I mean, I guess I'm just curious from your perspective, are there like, you know, obviously Judaism is one of the oldest religions in the world. Like, like what should, as we, as we create this religion, like, what do you think we should be doing to, you know, to really have, have longevity? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
I'll share with you an insight that I picked up from reading uh, one of the works of the founder of Jewish Renewal, uh, Reb Zalman Shachter Shomi, who um, imparts a experience where he was asked to consult for the Dalai Lama. Uh, the Dalai Lama, as you know, um, is the religious head of the Tibetan Buddhist, uh, you know, denomination. And as they were exiled from their land, um, he was faced with the question, how do I make sure that people who are Tibetan Buddhists who are, you know, being born and raised outside of our native land, how will we maintain our connection to our tradition on different things? And so he had religious leaders from all the denominations come and, and, and offer up suggestions. And here's what uh, Rib Zaman offered. He said, what you really need to do is come up with a Seder. Come up with some kind of annual ritual experience that ah, is I like it. Or interlocuting with the youth and to making people place themselves emotionally in the experience of, of you know, leaving the homeland and, 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 and wishing to return. Uh, you know, doctrine is great and all, like, thinking about things is great, you know, perhaps the, the, the idea of picking things is, is a great doctrine, but uh, if you can underpin a little bit of what you are thinking about with concrete actions and behaviors that will at times be, you know, feel silly, but at other times provide deep meaning and, uh, and, and testimony to what it is you're trying to impart to your, uh, your listeners, uh, to borrow a term from a different tradition, uh, that might give you some staying power. So I like it. So, so you're saying we really, we need to come up with some kick-ass holidays is really what you're saying. Oh yeah. Right. I mean that, that was more or less the advice, right? We just need some kick-ass holidays, uh, which I think makes sense. I, you know, I think that like that's 99% of how people relate to their religion. Uh, and right now Joe picks potism doesn't have any holidays. So, uh, so yeah, I'm right there with you. That, that is, that is fantastic advice. I mean, maybe when you release an episode, that sort of becomes a holiday. Well, I mean, sure, for our listeners, but, you know, for, for me and Dan, my co-host, it's terrible because it involves a whole bunch of work. So, you know, we're trying to, ah, I want to, I want to, like yeah, I want to, <laughs> I want to create some holidays that involve me doing much, much less. Uh, <laughs> we, we have to make holidays. I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that, and, I mean, first of all, how amazing what a rabbi thing to do to have like, I mean, I swear, Dan, and I know maybe our listeners won't believe me. I did not prep him for that at all. I hadn't talked to him about this, obviously, um, religion that's catching on like wildfire. I mean, maybe he had heard it from other places about this Joe Picks potism, but I hadn't prepped him at all. And then he immediately has this anecdote about the Dalai Lama or whatever it was. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty like, you know, that's some good rabbiing right there. Yeah, well, I think we're going to hear throughout, look, rabbis, look, Jews in general are very interesting people, but he, he, he's on the ball, Joe. You know, you, you couldn't fool him with any of your, your questioning. You were trying to ask some gotcha questions, just trying to prove that he's a real Colombian. But, Joe, he'll pass the test all throughout this episode. You know, spoiler alert, I, I had to pre-edit this, this interview. And I think he's, he's right on, Joe. We need some, we need some holidays. So, Dan, I mean, this is one of the things that happens when we do a, a pre-interview. I've had some time to think about this, Dan. And right off the bat, right off the bat, I have 
uh, it's not really a poll, but I have something that I want to throw to the Joe Picks Pod Reddit community, which for all you Fjord jumpers out there is Reddit, uh, 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 subreddit Joe Picks. Uh, here's what I want. So I have a holiday in mind. I'm going to describe the holiday. So I've given this a lot of thought. Most good holiday. Most good religions have like three or four good holidays per year. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think we need three. And I've thought of one really good one, Dan. Okay. And I want to lay out what the holiday is. And then I want to kick it to the super fans to come up with the other two, unless you have one in mind, Dan. So let me tell you what I'm thinking of. I have a holiday in mind. It's called Picksgiving. <laughs> and Picksgiving is celebrated on February 24th every year. Dan, do you know what February 24th is? It's close to my birthday and Cristiano Ronaldo's birthday, but I'm not sure what else it is. It is the date of our first ever podcast release. Wow. Wow. Yes. Joe, I, that's so sweet that you're keeping track of these important dates. Well, I mean, I've been celebrating Picksgiving every year. So here's, here's, here's how the holiday works. One week before Thanksgiving, so on the 17th of February, which is called um, Pickings Friday, even if it's not on a Friday, it's called Pickings Friday. I don't know why. On Pickings Friday, you have to announce to the world what life decision you are picking. And then you have to spend the next seven days researching, talking to people, you know, soliciting opinions from people. And then the real holiday is Thanksgiving Eve, the night before, the 23rd. Yeah. I you, mean, you're going to stay up all night with excitement. You gather with friends and family. You drink either Zabrowka or Fuzzy Cola. Mm, good it's choices. up to you. Or both. And that's when you debate your picks. You debate what you are picking for whatever life choice. Maybe you're picking a new job. Maybe you're picking a new type of sneaker. Whatever it is. And then on the 24th, Thanksgiving morning, you come down in your footy pajamas, maybe there's some cookies out or whatever, and you and you huddle around and you officially make your pick. Wow. And that's the holiday of Thanksgiving, Dan. Wow. You know, uh who who's coming down the chimney? Or or does the the great picking clause get to pick whether he comes in the front door or the chimney? Yeah, I mean I mean Pickings Clause picks pick whichever way he wants to get into the house. And it's it's Pickings Clause C L A W S, by the way, because it's this you know, you can imagine <laughs> you can imagine this like monster with huge uh huge fingernails. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Comes into your house and and it's sort of like um a thing you tell children, like if you don't pick, Pickings Clause is gonna pick for you. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, you don't want it's that. a threat. No. No, you don't want Pickings Clause to pick for you. You know, I'm thinking about it, Joe. I love this holiday because I just realized something. February is like clearly the pickingest month of the year, Joe, because what? how does February start out every year? Groundhog's Day, where that stupid groundhog comes out and picks whether or not he sees his shadow. Because if you analyze the lore of Groundhog's Day, I mean, it's actually possible that in an older time, you know, when they switch the dates up, that February 2nd and February 24th actually used to be the same, you know, when the Gregorian right, calendar right, or whatever. Right, right, Because it's not whether or not the groundhog has a shadow. That is a common misconception. It's whether or not the groundhog sees 
his shadow. So the groundhog is picking, essentially, what winter will be. Ah, see, February is is the pickingest month of the year. Absolutely. I mean, this is a smash hit It's also, February, like, gets to pick whether or not it's longer or shorter. It's the only month that's variable. It's true. It's true. (laughs) And it picks so, essentially, arbitrarily, you know, uh, (laughs) divided by four, not divided by 100. Come on. Okay, so here's the other thing about Picksgiving. So in the seven-day period, starting on the 17th and ending on the 24th, the traditional greeting is good pickings to you. <laughs> but I don't want any of this war on Picksgiving bullshit. You, if, if I walk into a Macy's and they don't say good pickings to you, I'm walking out. Yeah. And what is a – so somebody says good pickings to you and then I say back, may your choices be prosperous? That's right. Dan, I mean, you've you've nailed this holiday. Absolutely. It's it's a bit of a mouthful of a greeting, but (laughs) but it works. And look, you can always just fall back on your Hail Joes. You know, that's that's always good. So that's Picksgiving. But what I want from our super fans is I want at least two more solid holidays that, of course, you know, we'll take suggestions. But but Bez is the ultimate arbiter of these holidays um, at a certain point. Pope Bez. I have two holiday name suggestions. I'm not saying by any means that people need to run with these, but I would love to hear what people um, would come up with for a holiday called Joe Loween, (laughs) (laughs) which of course is the night before Dia de los Muerjos, which is mostly celebrated in Latin America. Um, I would also like to hear what people- Big in Mexico, Joe. We we celebrated that last time we were in Mexico. Huge, huge in Mexico. Um, I'd also like to hear what people come up with for Ramadan. Ramadan. Oh. Yeah. Bam. It's right in there. Yeah. Do you I don't think like Ramadan? That. Do you think Ramadan is a fasting holiday? Uh, definitely not. I don't believe, <laughs> Joe. I can't fast. I, mm-hmm. I need all the the nutrition I can get, especially given all the the podcasting we're doing. <laughs> I mean, if I were fasting throughout the day, Joe, I, I would pass out before the end of this. I mean, you may pass out before the end of this anyway. I know. Well, at least I don't have a flight at five <laughs> in the morning like you do. I mean, it's just a few hours from now. Now, Joe, I have another idea. I, I've been, I've been uh, ruminating here. I think the, the day – you've marked the day where our podcast began, and I think that's a, a great day. But there's a, a day in this podcast series that I don't know what the exact date is, but I can pinpoint the emotion I felt when this happened and – I'm suggesting a holiday, maybe, I'm not exactly sure on the name, still working on it, tentative title, Open Pickings Day. And Open Pickings Day, I want to commemorate the first time I tasted Zabrowka. Ooh, interesting. The idea was, picking and choosing is all about seeing options and deciding between one or the other. But when I first tasted Zabrowka, I was opened up to new choices to make. I did not, I found something in the world that I didn't even know existed. I had it and it's, and it, it redefined a category. I thought I knew what vodka was. I tried Zabrowka. My mind was open. So I think open pickings day is where you go out in the world, you try something new, something strange, and you try to expand your, your opportunities to pick. Now I can pick. I want to drink Zabrowka tonight. Something that before the original open pickings day, I couldn't make that choice because I my, my picking horizons were too narrow, Joe. I love it. I love it. So so it's a day where you are now are you doing this, you know, 
different different religions have different um, takes on this. Is this a solemn holiday or an exuberant holiday? Oh, Open Pickings Day is an exuberant holiday. I think people can dress up if they want. I oh, think, it's a costume holiday. I like it. Well, First of Open all. Pickings Day, it's all about expanding horizons. It's all about having fun. It's all about seeing crazy things, trying crazy things. It's a very now, communal think, holiday. Are you worried that Opings Picking Day will get like a little bit like sexually amorous? Or are we encouraging that? Joe, what what could be more Opens Picking Day than perhaps having romantic relations with a new person, opening your horizon to new people, new bodies, new forms of sexual pleasure, Joe? I mean, uh, look, Open Pickings Day is good for children. They can try a new type of candy or something. But look, Joe, if you're into some hardcore shit, Open Pickings Day is for you, too. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Ooh. You know, honestly, could be a sponsorship opportunity. We get some of those sex shops. Open Pickings Day, I mean, that's an easy... So, I mean, it Oh, it's going to be, be good business for the w- weeks beforehand. It's like like they've got Valentine's Day, which is, which is always sort of like a, a tough sell because Valentine's Day is more about this like lovey-dovey crap, not about some like hardcore crazy shit. But Open Pickings Day can be as crazy as you want it to be. I love it. This sounds... I mean, so we have Picksgiving. We have Open Pickings Day. Uh, I mean, these are these are some some amazing holidays. I'm trying to figure out, you know, it should be easy to figure out what date Open Pickings Day should be, right? I mean, all we have to do is figure out when we actually recorded that yeah. goddamn Poland well, episode gonna, like I'm seven gonna, years ago. I'm going to have to look back into the uh, the scripture of the uh, the podcast RSS feed, which is really the holiest scripture, uh, okay, and, and see so what the Poland, date is. Poland came out on February 2nd. So, oh my goodness. Could the it, odds are we recorded it probably a few days before that. In the pickingest month of the year, Joe? Oh my God. Oh my God. Maybe maybe all of our holidays are in February. Look, I, I can't argue with that, Joe. I'll, I'll have to look back and see when the, the file is dated. I mean, Ramadan should be, Ramadan should be on your birthday, maybe. I don't know. When is the uh, other Ramadan? I, it, it's like a lunar calendar. Well, I mean, that's a good question. Is... Is is Joe Pick's potism based on a lunar calendar? I don't know. I, I think that's a, a choice that we have to make, but that's going to be a very solemn choice because that's very important. It is. We'll have to, you know, consult uh, the scripture for that. Yes. I mean, we can consult much like as a rabbi, and, and this will, it came out a little bit in that conversation, and it's going to come up a little more later when you're talking about our holiday and and Judaism. Judaism is a very open religion. Like Judaism, you know, it's got the Old Testament and whatever, but it's also got this these rabbis who argue and debate. And we have that in the, the subreddit, Joe. I mean, we have an open forum where the scripture can be debated, the the nuances of the religion can really be discussed and dissected. And I you know, I think the day of open pickings day Figuring out exactly when that Zabraco was first tried. Maybe I'm going to have to go through my credit card receipts, Joe, to figure out when I first got that. Ooh, I might have to go true. back to the BevMo and interview the people. And, and, and I mean, this may be something that sparks holy wars. I mean, one one sect will celebrate it on 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 January 30th, the other on February 2nd. You know, there'll be there'll be you know you know those who are purists and say no, it was when the Poland episode was released, not when it was recorded. Oh my! It goodness, was when he Joe. bought the Zabrowka, not when he tried the Zabrowka. If Open Pickings Day was also on the same day as Groundhog's Day, and then we were trying to sort of steal the thunder from Groundhog's Day and perhaps 
monitor the expansion of our religion by seeing if we can actually overtake Groundhog's Day. Wow. That's something to keep in mind, Joe. Yeah, and I already get uh, Groundhog's Day off of work, so... um... (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Now, Joe, we've We have two solid holidays there. We just need a few more, and then I think this religion is... You know, it's ready. And I mean, what great advice from the rabbi. This is, uh, look, of course we, we need holidays. Of course we do. We've got a long way to go. And I, and I love the point that he made is that the, the religion, and this is so true, is really just about these shared traditions that, that people have. It, it isn't, you know, whatever. God is some sort of holy ghost or something, or God is like, I, I don't even know what all the various religions are. I'm not an expert. I'm no rabbi. But, like, who cares about any of that stuff? But it if you are getting together and, you know, drinking at Passover, that's an actual thing that's happening in the real world. Regardless of why you're doing it, it's all happening. And right, on right. open pickings day, if people are trying new things, and on Pickmas, or people are making these well-thought-out... Uh, picks, dis- picks giving, not Picksmas, but yeah. Oh, sorry, Joe. Oh, oh no. That, is, that a, is that a cardinal sin? No, I think Picksmas might be another holiday. We have to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> On Picksgiving, people are making these well-thought-out decisions, debating among uh, their friends. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. It's all about creating these memories. I guess I'm just disappointed because I feel like Open Pickings Day has become so commercialized lately. Joe, it's a commercial holiday. <laughs> yeah, That's actually true. A holiday can't become commercialized if it, if it just starts there. I mean, look, Joe, if you're looking for something new to try and open Pickings Day, why not Men's.com Erectile Dysfunction Drugs? <laughs> enter, enter promo code OPENPICKINGS. <laughs> because, Joe, what could be a more new and better experience than a giant erection? <laughs> than a massive erection lasting for four and a half hours. <laughs> well, what an open Pickings Day experience that would be, going to your doctor with your new erection. I mean, new experiences, uh, plenty. So, Dan, what are we drinking, by the way? Great, great question, Joe. Uh, let's uh, let's kick it to the uh, to a pre-tape, Joe. So, so first of all, let's talk about the drink. So every every episode, we we have a drink uh, where we. Uh... Joe, I just like to note it is freaking me out to start playing these, and I'm like. Are you talking? And then, oh no, it's the pre-tape. <laughs> but yeah, you think that's weird for you? Think how it is for me. Oh man, you must be losing your shit over there. <laughs> Have a drink from that country, and um, and and our super fan, uh, super fan Sean from Australia, says Colombia. The national drink is okay. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. Aguardiente, <laughs> which translates to fire water. Normally. Drunk neat. Antiqueno, Antiqueno, I'm kind of saying that like it's Italian. Uh, Antiqueno is the most popular brand. Okay, (laughs) wait, yeah, do that again. Antiqueno. Okay, yeah, that sounds so much better. Uh, (laughs) Antiqueno is the most popular brand. Hangovers will no doubt be horrific. Now, I imagine you maybe left Colombia before you were of drinking age, but does this sound like a familiar drink to you? This is it's a very familiar drink to me, um, because even though I lived before I was a drinking age, I was very well aware of the culture that people you know, of drinking age, actually, even slightly below drinking age, to be honest. Like if you have, you know, 
a bunch of guys and one of them is able to drive, uh, the thing would be to go and buy yourself like a, you know, I don't know, like a big, what, what's that sm- slightly smaller than a handle? I don't know. A bottle. And basically split it with your friends. You sit around, you know, in a parking lot drinking. Yeah. That would be a thing yeah. that you'd see people doing. Um, yeah, aguardiente um, is definitely a popular drink. I don't know if it's, if it's popular, like, countrywide. Um, I think that it's primarily consumed in the Andes regions of the country. Antioquia refers to a brand that comes from the department of Antioquia, um, which is, uh, if I recall correctly, Colombia's largest uh, department. And so they don't have states. They have what they call departments. Um, and, uh, and if you need to know what it tastes like without actually being able to acquire it, it tastes like... Um, Uzo or Arak. Ah, okay. So it's like an anise flavored drink. Okay, okay. Well, I'm a big fan yeah, of that. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, like, if you have, if you like Arak or a good like you know Kambuka, uh, this will be right up your alley. It's slightly less alcoholic than Arak, um, and and uh, it is quite delicious. And yeah, it usually is drunk. It usually is consumed meat, um, you know, by shot or, or however you have it. Um, I once went to, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my, my cousin had, uh, you know, she got married in Brooklyn and she had all of her family from Columbia fly up with like two handles each <laughs> of that in the suitcases. All right. All right. Well, it was a serious thing. Like they were like pouring in people's mouths and, you know, <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely a good, uh, a good representation of the country's liquor. All right. Well, you know, I mean, look, Sean is our best researcher because, you know, even though, I don't think he has a PhD. Maybe he does. I don't want to, you know, I don't know enough about him, but you know, he, his job is to research on the national drink and he's Australian. So like, I mean, like who knows drinking better than the Australians? So, uh, so yeah, I'm not surprised that he's right on there. Okay. Can I, can I offer you another drink that might, uh, that might be, uh, worth a shot? Absolutely. I mean, Sean, Sean will go out and buy it right now. I'm sure. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. So this is more of a drink. It's called Refajo. Refajo. Um, so in Colombia, uh, there's, a, there's a soda called Colombiana, which is not going to be very helpful. But uh, in, in the United States, you're not going to find it called like Champagne Cola or something like this. It's very, very sweet. It's a cola drink, cola as in the fruit. And, and what you do is you mix that one part, that soda, with one part uh, Pilsner. Ah, uh-huh, interesting. Uh, so there's a, so I think that the usual beer that's done with is called Cerveza Asia, which is a Colombian uh, brand, of course. So you do it one-to-one, uh, and, uh, you know, you serve it as cold as you can get it, and it's really refreshing and really delicious. So Yeah, that sounds like a good, like, yeah, that sounds like a good, like, warm weather drink. Uh, that sounds yeah, awesome. Like you, if, you're, if, if you're grilling, it's the thing you want, you want. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. All right. All right. So what was that drink called again? Refajo. Refajo. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try and make one of those. That sounds great. All right. So Joe, a lot of options there. We've got the, the official drink from what Sean said. We've got some other suggestions by Daniel. What are you drinking, Joe? Well, first of all, I mean, the Refajo sounds great, except he loses me at the part where he says it, there's cola in it, but cola as in the fruit. Yeah, well, he also <laughs> lost me with champagne soda, which, hey, sounds delicious, but very strange. Yeah, it's true. He listed two things that I don't think exist in America. 
They definitely don't. I mean, certainly, if there was a fruit trying to call itself cola, Coca-Cola would sue them. Uh, yeah. No, so, but but based on, and, and obviously, whatever the other drink is that Sean recommended, I'm not, I'm not going to find that in America. Um, I mean, and I'm certainly not going to find it without trying. Um, but based on Daniel's recommendation, I did pour myself a nice glass of Dan, you guessed it, a little Zambuca. Wow. Now, Joe, guess what? I am drinking the official drink. As I uh, brought up in our last episode, I found Aguardiente. And wow. it really wasn't that hard. It was just in BevMo. I mean, it was a little tucked away in the foreign section. But it is very funny because nowhere on the bottle does it say it is Aguardiente. It just, the brand name is Cristal. And it just says Sin Azucar. Which, if my without Spanish, sugar, yeah, just means without sugar. So it's just crystal without sugar, and then that, that's it. It just says thirty uh, percent alcohol, producto de Colombia, cane neutral spirits with natural flavor, para exportación for export. So that's it. But Joe, I've uh, I've been drinking this for about the last two hours, waiting for you <laughs> to do this podcast. It's uh, it's like. A, an anise drink, as said, it's like your favorite Zambuga, but it's a little less. It's uh, it's smoother. It, it's it's um, it's really easy to drink. It's only it's only thirty percent. I'm not sure exactly what Zambuca is, uh, but it, it, it's not as anisey. It it really is. It, it says it's like a, a neutral spirit. It really is very neutral. Like this is very very drinkable. Um, very, you know, anisey, but but not overwhelmingly so. And um, you know, I've just been sipping it all night. It goes down very smooth. Next time you come here, I'll uh, you can try some, and and you'll definitely like it because I know you like anise drinks. Is there any sugar in it? Uh, no, Joe. Oh, seen okay. okay. Azucar. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying my zambuco over here. Uh, but Daniel's drink does sound very refreshing. I just don't know what any of those ingredients are yeah they're, they're definitely not available in the u.s <laughs> all right dan what category are we going to talk about next oh joe i guess we got to do a little homeland handbook right oh joe you poor bastard uh-oh you'd love love to get into this and so would i you have a flight in now six hours from now we've gone this long we haven't even gotten into any category yet. I guess we just did the drink. But, Joe, no. I've got seven emails and four voicemails. And all so right. I'm giving you the choice because, look, Joe, all could I can I can I just give you some like stock responses that you can just play those emails and just edit them in? <laughs> no, Joe, this is our last day. This is a party episode. We're having this- fun. This is a party. I mean, we are actually having a lot of fun. And this is a doubleheader, Joe. So we've got this episode, the Columbia episode right now, and then Germany coming up. So, Joe, I give you a simple question. Ye of great picking, your holy picksness. Do you want, in this episode, to play the four voicemails or for me to read the seven emails? And then in the next episode, I will do whichever one you don't pick. Ooh, Okay. Okay, let's 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 do the emails in this episode because we have enough audio recordings coming in on on this episode already. All right, look, 
another fine selection. It, look, at the like like all picks giving day choices, it doesn't matter if you're right. It matters that you make a choice. Okay. You've made a choice and let's start from new potential fan or super fan, not fan emeritus. Abdesalam. Abdesalam. Yeah. Abdesalam. Right. Okay. Abdesalam. Hey, Dan. Hey, Joe. I love the podcast. Loyal listener since Morocco's episode went live. So, super fan, I can call myself, right? Not a Fjord jumper. Yeah, that's yeah, he's well, before, well before the Fjord jumping. Absolutely. Your, your podcast is really awesome. I've learned a lot about the other countries, which I thought I knew enough. My favorite part is when Joe starts the introduction. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, look, it's his favorite part. Do you know? Anyways, I don't even know what that means. You don't introduce anything. Dan, Dan, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot that I make look really natural over here, but, but the way that I shout your name when we start, you know, people love it. It's a trademark. All right. I, I'm out on uh, Abdesalam here, but <laughs> uh, he continues. Despite this podcast being football or soccer focused, I have to blame you for not giving Morocco the highest score when it comes to food. People come from all over the world just to taste our food, man. I think we deserve a revisit. Until then, take care. Superfan Salak from Morocco. Oh, crap. Maybe I said his first... Uh, well, I've given away his, his name. <laughs> I don't know if that's wrong or not. Maybe it's a common name. Anyways, there you have it, Joe. What did you give Morocco for food? You gave I don't know. Morocco. I don't know, Dan. Oh, my remember. goodness, Joe. Two and a half. Wow. Wow. I think maybe that was at a time when I was weighting the couponing thing a little bit higher. Uh, whatever it was, Joe. I mean, who knows your rationale? I know you picked confidently, but boy, Superfan Salak is right. With a higher score there, Morocco could easily pass through. I mean, they were sort of... Right in the in that gray area. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I don't want to impugn past Joe, but I, I don't know what was going on with that pick. I mean, we have to go back to the audio file, which clearly no one wants to do. Uh, but yeah, he's right. That pick was way off. Uh, I mean, let's say ten out of ten. <laughs> well. Joe. Or no. Let's say 8 out of 10. Let's be fair. Come on. You have Come access on. to the spreadsheet. I'm not changing the past. If you want to change the past, you can do I that I don't even know own. which category this is anymore. It's not even really in here. Yeah. It's category 3. Road to qualification. All right. Joe, while you're musing on that, going back and changing history, you're not letting any new teams in. I- I'm I'm putting my, my foot down. That's it. No, We have like... 28 out of 31 teams in. It doesn't, it doesn't work to put any more in. <laughs> okay. This is from new server fan, Mergim. Hey, right. Joe. Hey, Mergim. <laughs> but uh, he or she signs it, <laughs> Gimme. So I don't know. Who, who hey, Gimme. I, I don't know what country this is from, where this is from. But he or she says, hello, Joe. I don't like the mystery episode. Every country deserves a full episode. I know you said you don't have the time, but you can do it beyond the start of the World Cup. That's a good point. 
Dan, how would you feel about after the World Cup? I mean, even after the World Cup ends, going back and just talking about Iceland, Tunisia, Switzerland, Nigeria, and um, Iran. Just just having, I mean, it doesn't even have to be about soccer. Just having a conversation. I'm game. Mm, I could think of about 10,000 things I'd rather do. So, no. So, 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 so that's maybe. Maybe. <laughs> this podcast series has a beginning, a middle, and an end. We are right now uh, very uh, close to the end. Dan, 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 listen. This is a new super fan. They want an episode about one of those five countries. But just, my point is, just keep refreshing the feed. It might come one day. Well, based on the name, I would guess Iceland. This this looks like a very Icelandic name. It's got Mergen? Some, yeah, Mergem, and the, the, the last name has a bunch of weird consonants. But Bergen, I mean, then what is Bergen complaining about? Iceland made it through. And, and I mean, frankly, your opinion, Dan, they made it through on the erroneous email from their own government. I agree. So I'm out on I Iceland. Think, I think Bergen needs to leave well enough alone because Iceland's going to get a lot of conversation in the uh, group stage. So, you know, don't play with fire, Bergen, because, because Morocco just made a good argument and Iceland's a cusper. I agree. Look, I mean, Iceland, you know, they they have to get through the play-in game before they even get to the, the bracket because of their uh, Dainu status. Oh, Dan, we're not even doing a play-in game. I have a whole plan. Oh, Lord. Okay. Anyways, next email from Bez. Hell yes, reduce the England scores after they snub me. How dare they reject a Joe Picks candidate? It's an outrage. Oh, man. Look, this is great. All these, I mean... He's from England, but you know all these countries knocking down each other's scores, trying to rebuild their own. I love it. Okay, so England, their food score now swaps. Whatever England's food score was now swaps with Morocco. You've got the spreadsheet open. Just do it all. Look, it's, I know you're it's not very confusing. I know you're not going to do it, so it's fine. <laughs> no. All right, Joe. Guess what? Bez also is going to have a voicemail next episode. I don't know what it is. I haven't listened to any of the voicemails. I'm just going to play them on the podcast. There could be copyright violations. There could be explicit language. I don't know. And we have no idea what Bez sounds like. He's from England, but he's Bez the Spaniard. Are we going to get a Spanish accent? Are we going to get an English accent? Are we going to get some Spanish-English hybrid accent? Wow, I hadn't even considered that. We don't... Oof. That's going to be exciting, Joe. Yeah. I'm already excited. I guess everybody's going to have to listen to that next episode. I mean, now I'm worried people are going to just skip this episode just to hear that. Yeah. That's fine. Look, Joe, if people choose to skip this, that's their choice. Happy pickings to them. Mm-hmm. Good good choosing. <laughs> Wait, no, what did you say? What was the response? <laughs> uh, I'll have to go may back. Your picks be, may your picks be prosperous. Yes, may your picks be prosperous. That's right. No, you, may your choices be prosperous. May your choices, right. That's because right. Because picking right. is a verb. Your choices are what you make. Choices mm-hmm. are what you pick. Well, well, well picks, picks are what you pick. I mean, I think, look, there's a lot of... and. Obviously, our doctrine is clear on this. There's a difference between picking and choosing. But the point is, picks is what you pick is a little confusing. I like choices are what you pick. Well, well, this may be a split in our doctrine then. <laughs> How about this? Maybe you pick among choices, but the choice that you pick is your pick. That, that, is, that is beautifully said. Yes. You pick among choices, but the choice you make is your pick. Absolutely. That, that, that's doctrine right there. Yes. Hail Joe. 
Okay. From our old friend Rob. Wow, Rob. He's back. Coming in late. I love it. Coming in hot, too. Hey, fellas. Sorry I haven't had a chance to be an interactive listener this season, but I tried to warn about the dangers of the lengthy episodes. I'm currently looking at my queue, and I have the following episode lengths ahead of me. One hour, 52 minutes. One hour, 37 minutes. Two hour, 10 minutes. Yada, yada, yada. And he lists like 10 more. 16 hours and 38 minutes of podcast listening for just nine countries. I have about a 45-minute commute. That means I'd have to commit two and a half weeks of listening to nothing but your podcast to start to catch up. Love the show and wish I was more involved, but I simply don't have that much podcast time available to keep up. And by the looks of it, in the International Lounge, neither do you. Only seven country scores have been posted, and the poll question is still the Bears-Raccoons one. Uh, oh. Yeah, because we don't, because that oh, lounge is, is no longer... Oh, Rob. <laughs> Rob. My dear Rob. Should, should we just... Let's just not let him in on uh, on the new community. Don't don't tell Rob about the Reddit page. <laughs> Poor Rob, refreshing everyone, everyone, the international lounge every, every everyone, day, waiting. Everyone, <laughs> be cool, be cool. Rob doesn't know. This is amazing, and he'll never know. He's not going to listen to any of these. He's so no, far absolutely behind. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh boy! Congrats on your engagement, Dan. The wedding planning updates are the best segment of the season. <laughs> Oh, we haven't done that. We haven't done that in so long. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know about the tragic breakup of your engagement. I know. But Joe, the bachelor party, the Airbnb is booked, Joe. Indoor I pool. I can't wait. I can't wait. Indoor pool. I mean, that's going to be quite quite a party. Uh, and Dan, and Dan, when you had to decide whether or not to book that place, who did you consult to help you pick? Look, the great, uh, his, his holy pickingness himself. That's right. And Joe, you didn't really offer that much. You just confirmed the pick I had already made. Well, because I offered a bunch of criticism of your choice. And then when I looked myself on Airbnb, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like 100% the best place. No, you offered some criticism of my pick, Joe. But when showed the choices, you affirmed my pick was the correct pick. That's right. All right. Next email. Boy, we're just blowing right through these. It's from Superfan Fernando, who also has a voicemail coming up in the next episode, Joe. I love Welcome the double Welcome back, dips. Fernando. I just finished catching up with the latest episodes. I was in Mexico for a week and got a little behind. And as everybody knows, our podcast, only available in the U.S. It's true. I mean, you know, what would, what would an international podcast be uh, with any ability to listen to it outside the U.S.? I really wish I was editing it so I could edit out that five-second gap between my prompt and your response. But I'm not, Joe. I'm not. That's just, that's just the, how the, the sausage is made. I still can't believe Joe gave Belgium a 10 in the food and couponing. Boy, everybody's criticizing wow. your food wow. and couponing. This is, this is such a controversial uh, topic. I can't believe you gave Belgium a 10, but not Peru. Maybe I am biased, but we definitely have better food than Belgium. Offer still stands to go to a Peruvian restaurant in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Anyways, keep up the good work. I'll be leaving to Russia for the World Cup next week, so hopefully Joe picks Peru before I leave. Also, I joined the Joe Picks Reddit page. Wait, am I a bandwagoner slash fjord jumper too? No, Fernando's been around for a long time. Fernando's Fernando. in. Fernando, Fern- you're a super fan, buddy. Yeah, what, way not like, super not fan. Like, not, not like fjord jumpers like Rob if he ever figures it out. And look, <laughs> Just everybody, be cool. Be cool. Just, just, you know, I think I'm just going to start updating the International Lounge with just like decoy questions just to, <laughs> just to keep Rob occupied. And basically, it, 
We'll just be soliciting Rob's opinion on stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, no I'll, just, I'll put in like 10 fake votes just so it looks <laughs> like uh, action's happening in there. Uh, and, and look, if, if Fernando wasn't a super fan already, which he is, anybody who sends in a voicemail, there, there are two ways, Joe, to become a super fan. Automatic backdoor entries, as I posted in the thing. One was sending in a voicemail, which unfortunately it's too late. We've got our four super fan voicemails, right, but they already right. were super fans. Or if they leave us a five star review on the the app store, because Joe, nothing would make me happier than for to get like ten new reviews right as we stop doing podcasts. Well, no, the other thing, I mean, obviously, anyone can become a super fan if they are granted super fan status by Pope Bez. Unfortunately, that can only happen posthumously. You have to be dead. Yes, yes. Look. It's tough, but it's not easy to become a super fan if you're a Fjord jumper. I mean, it's just it's just not easy. But what would a super fan be if anybody could be it, Joe? You know, actually, let's let's post poll questions in in the secret lounge, the international lounge. Let's post poll questions there that will give because Rob's obviously not listening. That will give him a fake sense of things going on in our lives. Like, let's post like, how should Dan treat his shark attack wound with ointment <laughs> with. With you know, just keep it clean and air it out. <laughs> like, let's just post stuff that that will concern Rob about our well being. That's what jumped to your mind, Joe. Shark attack. Well, what, what what kind of life do you think I live, Joe? Well, I mean, let's see how far we can push it before Rob's like, wait a minute. I mean, the 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 breaking up of the engagement. I, that that seems realistic. And to be perfectly honest with you, Joe, this wedding planning is tearing our relationship apart. So. You know, that could be true. I don't know how anybody – now that I know people have, like, gotten married, I like, just the idea of hiring a DJ at the reception has me, like, get an anxiety attack. Not to mention every other aspect about it, which we haven't even planned a single aspect of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it sounds to me like you're, uh, you know, you're right on track for a perfect wedding. <laughs> it's going to be a time <laughs> every the time of their lives. <laughs> All right, well, Joe, you you come up uh, by the end of the episode with both the real poll question and the fake poll question. So Got it. we'll keep that in I'm mind. In. Hey, another one. Adam, Dan and Joe, anytime anybody puts me in the deer, I, I already, you know what? Yeah, they, they move way up to the top of your list. No, Adam's a super fan. He's in. He, just for putting me in there. <laughs> That's all it takes? Wait, so so literally one path is to die and then... And then, based on your life accomplishments, be granted status by the by the Pope, or just to address an email to you. Those are the two paths. Well, you've got to. I've got to be in the right mood, Joe, because this Cristal scene Azucar is really starting to. And the problem is, I've got so much. I've got a big tour of Germany coming up, so this it's going to be a long night for me. Dan and Joe. I have to say, I love the podcast. It's hard being a soccer fan of the U.S. and this podcast makes it incredibly fun. While my family is German and I root for Germany, the USA is a close second for me. It should be a national embarrassment we miss the World Cup by losing to Trinidad and Tobago, a country most famous for being in Mighty Ducks 2. Anyways, I just wanted to say good luck, Joe. I'll keep listening to and from work. I've even gone back to season one, knowing full well who you picked. I've been caught up on the World Cup since France, and I'm on the Washington Football Club episode for the NFL. Side note. Dan, trademark Washington Football Club, Washington FC, and whatever is close to that. So if Dan Snyder wants to start a team in the D.C. area, you can stick it to him or leverage that to change the Redskins' name. Ooh, I like that. 
Hopefully, I can make super fan status. Yeah, you already did, buddy. Boom, you're in. But either way, I'm a fan. I doubt you'll end up with Germany, much to Yannick's dismay, but it should be a great World Cup. By the way, Joe. Oh, I thought Yannick had a voicemail, but he doesn't. Okay, well. (laughs) Sorry for, for building that up. I got confused. But yeah, look at that, Joe. U.S. and German fan, new super fan, Adam. What do you think? I love it. And, you know, I love the fact that he's going back to uh, season one. Also, just to say, you know, knowing the spoiler of what I picked for my NFL team doesn't ruin the season at all because it wasn't really like a rational pick that was connected to anything else that had happened all season. So people shouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Look, we had fun. And just the same way that we're... I mean, you're obviously going to pick a World Cup team, and you're going to do so in the next six days, which is excitingly thrilling, Joe. But that doesn't take away from any of these episodes. I mean, for God's sakes, Open Pickings Day came from the Poland episode. And actually, Joe, Poland, due to a later episode, is now back in the bracket. I don't know if Poland's going to get picked. They may or may not. That doesn't take away from the Poland episode. Each episode was its own moment in time, was its own Absolutely. part of the journey, Joe. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of some of my favorite episodes we've done are episodes of teams that we don't move forward. It doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, totally agree. one thing that I love so much about Picksgiving, Joe, and one thing that I think people don't give enough thought to, not not only just in Picksgiving and, and the, the – the week surrounding it, but just in life, that everybody thinks of so much about the destination or, of course, in the terms of picks giving, the, the pick, the decision you make. Right. But it's Which not about a, that. It's about the right. process. Joe. It's about the journey. It's about spending a week thinking it's about it. It's about getting together with your friends, debating it. I, I, frankly, I think the week before picks giving is, frankly, more of the holiday. I think Thanksgiving itself is 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 almost a sad holiday. It, it almost oh, is a solemn holiday. Pick, Pickings Friday is is the jubilant kickoff. The week is so much fun, and you're right. Thanksgiving Eve is is really like the most fun. Thanksgiving Eve is when maybe you've narrowed it down to two or three choices of sneakers, and you're really debating. You're talking about it and whatever. I I actually agree. Thanksgiving morning. It's nice. You're surrounded by family. You're eating the traditional breakfast ham, um, but but it isn't it isn't as joyous as Thanksgiving Eve or or Pickings Friday for that matter. Yeah. And Pickings Friday, you have the whole choice laid out in front of you. You're thinking about the categories you want to judge. Ugh. I mean, Pickings Friday is really amazing. Now, Joe, dare I say? I mean, what I'm about to say obviously would need approval from the Holy Pope Bez, but. I feel like the stars might be aligned for this. I would have to check the position of the various planets. I, I also don't know if our religion cares about astrology. Well, well, that will have to be decided in the <laughs> scriptures. But Joe, Thanksgiving is a, a week-long holiday that starts with Pickings Friday. Joe, we're culminating on almost a Thanksgiving in June, you know? M- much like there's a sometimes the, the Christmas in July or whatever. We have almost a displaced Thanksgiving, where today could be Pickings Friday. And it is Friday, Joe. And this is culminating in Thanksgiving, which will be either Wednesday or Thursday, when you make your pick a scant Correct. six days away. Correct. And we have all of the fun of the week of Thanksgiving. I mean, we can simulate the fun of Thanksgiving and what a Thanksgiving it will be. You 
culminating in narrowing down from these 32 teams down to your selection. Because it is true that after tonight, we will know now the next step of the process when we're narrowing these teams down. We will know who's there. We will we'll know, know who's, who's there. there. There are no new entries into the field. Every 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 potential choice will have been talked about. Correct. It's it it, it, it is exciting. I mean, can this be a Pickings Friday, Joe? On Pickings Friday? Is this the first Pickings Friday? I think it is. I think this is it. June eighth, two thousand. What year is it? Two thousand eighteen. This is the first I'm- Pickings Friday, Joe. I mean, happy Pickings Friday to you, Dan. I'm loving it, Joe. Dan, Dan, good pickings. (laughs) May your choices be prosperous. Now, Dan, what are you picking for this Picksgiving? Hmm. I I mean, this is sort of like um, a cheap answer, Joe. But though the the podcast is Joe picks a World Cup team, I I myself have to pick a World Cup team. I I, I was hoping you'd say that, Dan. I mean, I I was actually talking with my lovely fiance, or as far as Rob is concerned, my former fiance, (laughs) about this. And, you know, she was talking about, oh, what's Joe going to pick? And I was like, well, I, you know, this isn't like the prior podcast. You know, I need to make this choice, too. Correct. And um, I'm very excited. And I've actually already put the money. I've deposited 200 U.S. dollars into my Bovada account. And I was about... Joe, I was about to start betting money on the top goal scorer, but then I thought to myself, and I'm actually thankful that we we now have the structure of picks giving to help me make this choice because I was going to put the money down, but then I realized that the second I bet on a player, I've effectively like picked that team. And right. I did not want to just make a rash decision. You know, I love that that this is going to be a structured week-long thing. And on Wednesday night, when I have made my choice, and, and of course, I'm the informal chooser. I'm I'm not the, the hero of this story, Joe. Of course you are. But once I make my pick, I am then going to place my various bets in the World Cup. And, uh, and, and I'm going to make sure that I have a financial interest. And, and again... I don't need a financial interest to get excited about it. But, you know, it helps. I, I, I want, you know, every goal scored or whatever to, to you know, have some chance of, you know, 20 to 1 or whatever payoff. But um, but now I'm going to do it in a structured way. And it's going to be – and that that is going to be the culmination of my picks giving, Joe, when I put in those bets on Bovada. I love it. I love it. What a better way to uh, to celebrate a pick than to spend money. <laughs> Look. I'm all for the commercialization of Picksgiving, Joe. <laughs> I've always been that way. I totally agree. And totally look, agree. To everybody out there who maybe already has a team to support, think about this. You don't have to choose losing your hair. If you just go to <laughs> men's.com, they've got great, you know, think about it. Spend the week thinking about it. They've got a whole great line of, of hair uh, mousse or whatever that you put in your hair. It's sticky and disgusting. But that hair might grow back, Joe. Enter promo code Good Pickings. <laughs> May your choices be prosperous. <laughs> and our last email, Joe, I've saved the best for last, from none other than St. Josh. St. Josh. Okay. He sent this in, his prediction, but I'm going to bleep that part out, Joe. So to Wait, us not- 
Wait, if he wins the prediction bet, he's going to win his own magnets back. Wow. What what better prize? <laughs> because, Joe, as we know that for a, a good pick in Picksgiving, it's about the journey. For these magnets themselves, they will have journeyed to you and then back to St. Josh. It's not about the prize. It's about the journey those magnets have been on, Joe. Oh, I mean, nothing Nothing would give me greater joy than to send those magnets back to him as his prize. Yeah, I hope you kept the packaging. <laughs> he says... So what, is, what does St. Josh have to say? Oh, man. He's, he's already a saint, which is higher than Superfan, but he addresses it just to me because he knows I'm not supposed <laughs> to read it to you because it's the prediction. He says, Dan, I'm fairly certain Joe will be picking beep as his team to support. Not only are they a fun team to watch with a great chance to go far, they also have a good-looking kit, which although, since it's not officially a category, I still believe will factor heavily into his picking. Yeah, how do you like that, Joe? Keep you in suspense. He says, he's going to the World Cup, and he's already on his schedule. He's got four games lined up that he's going to see. Iceland against Nigeria, Denmark against France. Wow, what a game. Mexico versus Sweden, and England versus Belgium. Wow. And he says he's going to try to sell some magnet kits in the streets. He's very excited. He says, love the podcast. Sorry, it's coming to an end. We'll listen again in four years. He says, P.S., based on Joe's feedback, I've now included all of the flags along with the group and knockout brackets in the printout section in wcmagnets.com so you can have a free paper copy for those who don't want to purchase the magnet kits. No, St. Josh, don't give it away for free, man. He's a saint. I mean, look, how, yeah, he, look how nice that is. That is nice. That is what a perfect Picksgiving gift to give someone. And, and a nice set of magnets. Though I am all for the commercialization of Picksgiving, I think it's not a real Picksgiving unless you, you're <coughs> spending some dough. And to Absolutely. me, the ultimate culmination of that is placing a bet. That, that's how I express my, my picking. But for St. Josh, it, it's, it can be giving somebody a printout that will help them manage their own fun in the World Cup. The gift that, that costs one piece of paper. But that's what's so great about this holiday, Joe. That's right. I love it. Now, I mean, St. Josh and Superfan Fernando should meet up. Oh, absolutely. Joe, I didn't even consider that. I think we're going to yeah. have multiple of our super fans going to Russia. They they definitely should meet up. How fun would that be, Joe? And and I bet, I mean, maybe not, but there's a there's a, at least a half decent chance that you can actually get Zabrowka in a bar in Russia. I mean, they're not that far from Poland. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, though, I guess they kind of have their own vodka. They've got they've got their own vodka, but come on. It's, it's so close to Poland and I mean, I'm no expert on Putin's uh, international goals, but I'm sure he'd like to annex Poland if he could. So I wouldn't be surprised okay. if they already had some like pre-lined up. So Fernando and St. Josh, email us your your cell phone information and we will read it out loud on the podcast. Yeah, perfect. And then, and then you guys can uh, get in touch with each other. Yeah, yeah, read out St. Josh's address that he sent those magnets from. Send your social security number too, just in case, you know... If you meet up with the person, you want to verify that they're actually the person they say they are. So let's send that too. Yeah. And for safekeeping, you can send us a photocopy of your passport. But yeah, yeah, that's yep. it. Just, just not a good reason for that. But it's it just good best practice. All right, Joe. 
Seven emails up, seven emails down. We're only over an hour into this podcast. All right, Dan, let's call it a night. <laughs> Great. Your flight's now five and a half hours and counting, which in that time, we have to do the entire Columbia podcast. We have to do the entire Germany podcast, and you need to sleep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, and I lied, Joe. There actually is one more email, but it's related to this episode. It's from Superfan Karsten. Because oh, let's just get into it, Joe. He says, Joe, I am one-eighth Colombian as my great-grandma Carmen, R.A.P. Abuita, immigrated from Bogota. I will be renouncing... That's right. Renouncing my significant English heritage to root for the Cafeteros in the 2018 World Cup. Here is why. Their nickname is awesome. Come on. The coffee growers? Oh, God damn it. What could be more synonymous with Joe Picks Podism's most treasured artifact, the Cup of Joe? The kit. Definitely the best yellow kit in the World Cup. Forget Brazil. 25 to 1 odds according to ESPN. They're in a great place to have a good run in the World Cup, but they won't be a front runner if you pick them. The culture. I was in Bogota for Colombia's August 31st match versus Venezuela. Sadly, the game was not in Colombia, but the atmosphere was awesome. The fact that the countries were rivals only intensifies things. Colombian fans cared deeply about their team. The food, I could eat arepas and bandeja paisa for the rest of my life. They even have an up-and-coming Spurs player, Davidson Sanchez. Sure. He's so good. He's so good. He's not Harry Kane, but he's a spur. Lastly, and most importantly, we work together. We could share the rooting experience of cheering for Colombia and be united in the workplace. The question is, do you want to be stronger together or separate (sighs) and alone? That's a that's a reference to a work thing that Karsten just almost killed. No, no, Karsten, no. I want to be separate alone. All right. <laughs> well, he's gotten us started. He's already put in some spoilers, which are upsetting me. I should have screened first, but I didn't. But let's learn a little bit more about this country, Colombia, in a section I like to call for the penultimate time, the Wayne Handbook. Hey, the people. A co- <laughs> I wrote a Columbia. God damn it. <laughs> a Columbia. Well, you didn't have to you'd have to read it. You could have just said something else. But it's else. just so dumb that I wrote the wrong thing on this penultimate time. A Colombian. I mean this one's easy. A Colombian, a group of Colombians who are all Colombian. The official language. And the only language. well, whatever. The official language is Spanish. Religions. Seventy nine percent Roman Catholic, fourteen percent Protestant, and two percent other. So very Catholic. And the capital city is of course Bogota. Now, Joe. What do you think, Joe? Is the chief export of Colombia? Well, Dan, I mean, I'm going to have to go. Well, it's probably at least at one point was cocaine, but we're talking about legal export, right? Well, we're talking about whatever this website said. So, uh, look, if you think they factor in the illicit trade, so be it. Okay, no, I'm going to say that it is coffee, Colombian coffee. Had I screened that goddamn email, I could have edited that part out. I mean, maybe you would have guessed that anyways. I don't know. Would you have guessed yeah, that anyways? I think, I think I think of Colombia as a coffee-growing country. Yeah, for sure. Well, you and are- also also Rabbi Daniel and I talked about that quite a bit, too. He talked about coffee as well. He did, he did. It will be talked about in the upcoming sections. But yes, the chief export of Colombia, number one by dollar value, is 
uh, crude petroleum and coal. But if you look at overall exporters of oil, they're very, very low down on the list. Their second biggest export by dollar amount is coffee. And if you look at the overall exporters of coffee, they are the third largest exporter of coffee in the world behind number one Brazil, although on a uh, per like square mile basis, like Colombia exports way more coffee than Brazil does, like considering that Colombia is much smaller than Brazil. But actually, the number two country is much smaller than Colombia and exports more coffee, which I would have never guessed. It's in Asia. Any any idea who the second biggest exporter of coffee is? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe India. No, Vietnam. Interesting. I mean, hard to, like the the amount. No, I mean, I guess yeah. What's why I wouldn't think so? So I know that like. Coffee, like chocolate, has to be basically grown in a very small um, lat- latitudinal line near the equator. And I guess I don't think about Vietnam as being that far south. But maybe I'm just wrong about that. I don't know. Yeah, you probably are. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know why I said maybe. Uh, 100% that's what it is. But yeah. yeah. They grow a hell of a lot of coffee in Vietnam, but so do they in Colombia. And uh, boy, that, that delicious Colombian Joe... I mean, you're going to need some of that in about, I don't know, four hours <laughs> when you uh, wake up to uh, to catch your flight. But, Joe, good job. You're one for one. I, frankly, I think tonight, Joe, you're going to get all four right. I believe. You're already one for one. This is this is probably going to be your trickiest one of the night. Okay. Yeah. There Wait are 32 me. countries in the World Cup, Joe. Uh-huh. Where uh-huh. does Colombia rank in that list? I feel like you're going to get this right for Germany. I feel like you're going to get the German export right. But this, I think, this is going to be, this is a little tough. Yeah, this is tough. This is tough. I mean, I would, uh, God, you know, I mean, the problem is I don't remember where these countries are. I think we're going to, I'm going to say Colombia is number three. 11. Number 11. Joe, you didn't get it right on, but you got it one off, Joe. They're number 12. Very nice. Nice. I mean, that's full credit. With a population of 49 million people, they're the 29th biggest country in the world and the 12th largest of the World Cup countries. Wow. Joe. That's a, this is this is a hot start. Look, it's all culminating in this. Let's talk a little bit. Let's get to the football, Joe. Let's talk a little bit about their World Cup history, their road to qualification, and their group. So, Joe, Colombia had their best ever World Cup last time, as I mentioned in the introduction they had an unbelievable run they won the first four games as i said they were eliminated by brazil 2-1 in the quarterfinals in what some say is a bit of a a, a suspectly officiated game prior to that though they hadn't really had the best run before that so they first qualified in the chile world cup in 1962 they lost in the group They then qualified for three in a row in the 90s, 90, 94, 98, 
Obviously, the 94 World Cup was the one I talked about in the intro, the own goal uh, against the United States. They didn't make it out of the group. They didn't make it out of the group in 98 either. Uh, They did make it out of the group in 1990, but that's it. Just one win. So in their entire World Cup history, up until the last World Cup, they had had three total victories. And then in 2014 alone, they had four. So this is a team that, you know, from a... The perspective of their growth as a, a football nation on the international stage. Right now, they're the best they've ever been in the country's sure, history. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about the road to qualification. Of course, they're in South America. They play in CONMEBOL. We know how CONMEBOL works. Every team just plays every other team. Very simple. So they're going to play 18 games. So I'm going to split the, their 18 games up into three sections. So the first, we're going to talk about their top against the top teams in CONMEBOL, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. Uh, Colombia, against these six teams in their two games apiece, they had four losses and two draws. Now against the middle teams, Peru and Chile, Colombia had three draws and one win. And against the crap teams in South America, although, of course, crap in uh, quotation marks because a bad team in South America is still pretty good. But against Paraguay, Ecuador, Bolivia, and Venezuela, they had six wins, one draw, and one loss. So basically, their MO is pretty good, or pretty simple, that they, you know, could scrape out a draw every now and then against the top teams, but they normally lost to them. They sort of held their own against the the middle-tier teams, like Peru and Chile, and Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. just, they took care of business against the bad teams. They, they beat the bad teams when they were supposed to. They didn't really challenge the great teams. And they held their own about uh, the teams uh, that, that were at their level. Which, there are sort of different styles of teams. Teams that are more unpredictable. That are maybe going to have a really amazing performance against Brazil. But then might have a letdown. This is not a team like that. This is a team that sort of took care of business. And I think if you watched in the 2014 World Cup, this particular team, that doesn't surprise me at all. Because they sort of had this sort of rough and tumble style that they would play. And, I mean, other teams, you know, played this style as well. Argentina being one of them. But they they were the type of team that could really grind down and beat the teams that were worse than them. But at the same time, when they were playing the really top-tier teams, you know, they're sort of a little outclassed. Which, I mean, is 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 hard because to win the World Cup, you have to beat at least two top tier teams, you know, along the way, if not three or four. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, who knows? They, they frankly could have beaten Brazil, but obviously, as we saw in the Brazil's next game, Brazil may or may not have been one of the, the top sides right, right, at, right. at the last World Cup. But anyways, so um, <laughs> overall, they have seven wins, six draws and five losses. But I do want to highlight their last match again, because, um, I talked about it a little bit in the Peru episode, but well, we talked about it a lot in the Peru episode, but we'll talk about it a little bit from Colombia's side. So they go into this final match, and Colombia is one point clear of Peru, and they're tied with Chile. And so right now, as it stands, um, Colombia and Chile were tied for the last slot. I'm not sure exactly who had the the tiebreaker because they were tied in goal differential as well. I'm not sure who had the the, the tiebreaker between the. uh, intercontinental playoff and the guaranteed slot, but they were right in that. So they're playing Peru. They need a win or a draw, and they're 
guaranteed at least the Intercontinental Playoff. So James Rodriguez, who six goals in qualifying, leading Colombia, he scores in the 55th minute. Boom. Colombia's up 1-0. All they need is a draw to guarantee. And again, for the South American teams, you're getting to the Intercontinental Playoff against New Zealand like you're 95% locked to go to the World Cup. So they're feeling good. But then, of course, Joe, in the 77th minute, who can forget this? Oh, indirecto. I love that. That's right, indirecto. So, Peru scores the goal that goes down in the books as an Espina own goal. And now, Joe, we have a 1-1 tie. But here's where it gets interesting. They're, they're playing soccer. They're playing soccer. But seven minutes later, all these the last five games in South America are, of course, happening at the same time. Venezuela scores a goal against Paraguay. Why is this important? Paraguay is two points behind uh, Colombia and one point behind Peru. So now Paraguay is losing. So even if Paraguay draws against Venezuela, they're still out because they can only get one point from a draw. So Paraguay's out. Basically, they're now down a goal to Venezuela. Chile, against all odds, they're playing for their World Cup lives. Brazil is playing for nothing. Chile is down 3 nothing against Brazil. So now, all of a sudden, the situation is, if everything stays the same, that Colombia gets the automatic bid, Peru gets that intercontinental playoff, and Chile, they're out. Paraguay, they're out. And so... I watched the videos of this because I know I talked about it in the Peru episode, but I didn't. I hadn't seen the video. <laughs> the, the players on Peru and Colombia they start talking to each other and they sort of put their like hands covering their mouths and they're talking, talking, <laughs> talking. And then, you know, at, with about ten minutes left in the game, they're just showing a video clip of like Peru is just passing the ball. It's like the center back passes to the left back, passes to the center back. Passes to the right back. Like, Colombia is not pressuring the ball at all. Because, of course, this is great for Colombia. So, the way it actually ended up working out, Colombia could have lost the game and they still would have been fine. But but Colombia knows for a fact, as long as they tie, they're in. It doesn't even matter what any of the other teams do. So, Colombia, of course, this is a great deal. Now, for Peru, there's still, there's some slight risk that maybe Paraguay scores two, like, stoppage time goals against Venezuela. But... Colombia is good either way. So, of course, if Peru just wants to pass around the defense, Colombia is not going to pressure them. And that's it. They just just tick the time out for the last 10 minutes. Neither side is playing competitively because they don't, they're the situation as it is. And that's it. And everything just stays that way. Paraguay loses. They're out. Chile loses to um, Brazil. And Chile and, and Peru ties with Chile on points, but gets ahead on goal differential because... Yeah, and, and why wouldn't you do that if you're in that game? Of course. of course. And that's what people complained afterwards, but they're just upset Chile fans because what is Peru going to do? Obviously, if Peru's just going to pass the ball around the defense and Colombia doesn't care, what, what is Peru going to do? Start trying to attack? Like, that's it's stupid. So, so I was... Um, when we... After the Peru episode, I, I was doing more just research on this, um, this indirecto goal. And just cause I mean, it's just such an interesting thing and the video is so great and whatever. It's just like so unbelievable. Right. And, um, 
was reminded by the internet, like, because there's all these articles about it. So, so Espina is the keeper for Arsenal. Yes. And their, like, other star player, I mean, of a few, is Alexis Ch- Sanchez, a Chilean player. So these two people are on the same team. Like, after the qualifying games, I mean, they were back in the same locker room, like, a week later, and basically, Ospina's fuck-up cost, cost the, the star Chilean player on their team his World Cup chance. Yeah, because Incredible. if Colombia just maintains the 1-0 score against Peru, uh, Chile, Peru's out, Chile's in. I mean, like, what... What kind of conversation is that? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. It was an indirect free kick. Yeah. He thought somebody hit it, you know? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's bad. But, yeah, Peru's gain is uh, is Chile's loss. But, I mean, frankly, you just can't – anybody who's blaming Colombia is just dumb because, like, Colombia is in a position where they get a draw. They're guaranteeing the World Cup. They be – if Peru's just passing the ball around the defense, like, literally – they should just let Peru pass the ball around the defense. There's just anybody oh. talking about how it's bad for the game is just dumb. Like, if Peru wants to take the risk, let Peru take the risk. Their it didn't. Their situation was better than Peru's. They were taking no risk. Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, yeah. There's like there's no reason why they should do anything different than that. That that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Anyways, so they're in. Good for them. Uh, they get put in Group H. Hey, we talked about this group just last week with Colombia, Poland. Hey, Poland, Senegal, and Japan. Now, this group, if memory serves me correctly, Joe, I think all four of these teams are actually in. Well, Colombia, we're talking about, may not be in. But all the other three teams are in. Poland as a zombie team. Senegal yep. is a Dainu yep. team. And Japan, do they get in? Yeah. Japan. They in. got in. Wow. So this group, if, if Colombia gets in, has um, would have full coverage. So Colombia, they're the favorite in the group. Uh, it it depends on exactly like Colombia is a favorite via the betting odds and five thirty eight. So they're about thirty five percent chance to win the group, about seventy percent chance to advance, depending on whether you trust the betting markets or five thirty eight. Um, either Poland or Japan is the second favorite in the group. Uh, I trust the betting markets more that put Poland ahead, but 538 really likes the Japanese team. And Senegal is, you know, towards the bottom of the team. And so we look at the two good, two bad odds. And uh, again, I couldn't find the stage of elimination, but I've got their games. And and we can see the order of the games, which is interesting. So they open against Japan, where uh, they're the biggest favorite against Japan. 57% chance to win, uh, 16% chance to lose. Then they play Poland. That that's a much closer game. Forty percent chance to win, thirty percent chance to lose, and then they close with Senegal. That they have about a fifty percent chance to win and a twenty three percent chance to lose. So they're favorites in all these games, but according to the betting markets, you know that Japan game is, is their easiest game, and their overall odds to win are forty five to one. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, super fan Carson said twenty five to one. He's getting bad odds. Should get should get some better odds. Uh, so now the day before, well, I guess it's not the day before the week. Well, it's good. Uh, picking Friday, uh, four days or five days before the World Cup starts. Now every team has played their last friendlies, so we've got basically the final odds, and I'm sure they'll adjust a little bit more as the final money comes in. But we've got basically three very clear tiers. 
And you, you'll, I, I have taken the top tier and kind of smushed it together, but I, I think that's fair. Where we have the top, top tier of the absolute contenders. And that is Brazil, who is now the favorite. Uh, I, I don't know whether that's because the betting money has come in. I don't know if that's because people like the way they performed in the friendlies. But they are now the absolute favorite, four and a half to one. Then second, yes, this is a bit of a spoiler, but Germany, our next team, our last team, our ultimate team that we're doing in the the 32. And how fitting, Joe, the defending champions. Save the best for last. 4.75 to 1. So those are your two favorites. But still, the top tier continues. Not that you'd want to talk about the best earlier on to try and build a fan base. Of course not. Yeah, no. (laughs) Then the next, Spain, 6 to 1. France, 6.5 to 1. Argentina, 9 to 1. And Belgium, 11 to 1. So I'm putting them, those are your top, top teams. Those are your six teams that all, you know, they're high single-digit or double-digit percent chance to win the World Cup. Then we get to the second tier, which is the outside shot. Still a realistic chance, but certainly below that top tier. We've got England, 18 to 1, Uruguay, 25 to 1, and Portugal, 25 to 1. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is the final tier of, like, relevancy. And these are what I'm calling the reasonable Cinderella's. They got a shot, but boy, it would be a Cinderella story. Got Croatia at 33 to 1. Russia probably wouldn't be a Cinderella story because they're horrible at 60 to 1. And it would involve so much corruption. So it would much, be like, yeah. like the opposite of a Cinderella story. Yeah. It would be Cinderella if it was like. Maybe the stepsisters. Yeah. yeah, the stepsisters, you know, marrying the prince. Yeah. yeah. And then right smack dab in the middle of those reasonable Cinderella's is Colombia at 45 to 1. So, you know, they've got a greater than 1% chance to win the World Cup, but it's, you know, a lot of they'd have to catch a lot of breaks to 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 get there. Yeah, I mean, that that is uh that doesn't surprise me at all and it's sort of where I picture Colombia, you know, they're you know, if if my sweet spot for this is is right around the 20 to 25 to 1, I'd say they're a little bit too much of of a long shot, which sounds about right given, like, I think it's a fair criticism of them to say, you know, look, this is a team that is totally poised to make a quarterfinal or semifinal run, which isn't, which is a, which is a big deal, um, because they can beat up on teams and make it through the group. They can, if they get a good knockout stage draw, they can beat a team that they're better than, but are going to struggle if they're playing any of those top tier teams that you were listing, Colombia is really going to struggle with. Um, but I do think that, look, coming out of South America is a victory in its own right and, and sort of makes you good enough to be talked about on uh, the world stage. And I do think that like, there is something that is intangible about building on the success of a great world cup four years ago. Like you felt like, you know, they feel like they were uh, cheated out of a possible victory against Brazil. Like, like they're going to come feeling like they can conquer the world. So I think this is like a seven out of 10 for me. Seven out of 10. Wow. And I did, as you were talking, I did check the scores. And you, you, your number one team in this category is none other than Portugal, right at that 25 to 1. So, so you're, I mean, I wouldn't expect any less, Joe, given the people have gone back and studied your picks and, and looked for consistency, Joe. You're a natural. 
I mean, I have no doubt if I if I graded these picks, there would be a perfect bell curve right around that, uh, you know, that that um, mid uh, middle tier, as I think that's what that's what you're looking for. I mean, except when it comes to food and couponing, apparently yeah. it's all all the controversy. <laughs> Everybody's second guess, but but I think the the food and couponing is so easy to second guess, Joe, because it is it's a very personal thing, and to to pick is is to experience really. So like it's so personal whereas you mean you mean couponing is very personal i agree everything is personal food and uh i i just wanted to get this in because it's it's been over an hour in this podcast and i haven't mentioned this joe and this affects my too good too bad the washington capitals won the stanley cup yesterday which as a washington sports fan no washington team has won anything since I think the 1992 Super Bowl, the Washington professional sports team, when I was a kid. So I have been rooting for three teams growing up and now four teams my entire life, basically. And nobody had ever won anything. They'd always lost in ridiculous fashion. Until yesterday, when the Capitals won, Joe. And I have learned something amazing watching this experience. Now, I know your teams have still never won. You've never seen... The Chargers win. You've only seen them lose. You've never seen the Padres win. You've only seen them lose. Correct. You haven't seen the Panthers win. You've only seen them lose. I haven't seen Spurs win. You haven't seen Spurs. Well, Joe, they they always make it for the Champions League now recently, so that's good. It's a type of victory. Yeah, we get moral victories. Absolutely. Yeah. It is amazing when your team wins. And, And before it happens, you think your team is cursed and it can't win. But when they actually do win, it's just very weird. Your team just gets the breaks. You know, like in in soccer, it hits the crossbar and bounces out. But when it's your time, it hits the crossbar and bounces in. When it's not your time, it you get called for the penalty that's bullshit. When it is your time, they you get the penalty kick. Like they're called for the bullshit penalty. You're just... It just happens. Like, I was just watching these games and just waiting. Oh, they're going to blow it. They're going to blow it. And then they just didn't. And then the amazing things happened. They started creating history. The other team started blowing it. And I think when it comes to my picking in the World Cup, this is going to affect my picking, not yours. I have taken what I've seen with the Washington Capitals, a team that has broken through and, like, Everybody counted against them. Every my whole city is a laughing stock, much like your city is. But they did it, and it didn't matter how much baggage was on their back. It didn't matter how everybody said they were going to blow it again. They did it, and I'm saying right now on this podcast, Joe, my selection is going to be a Washington type team. I'm going to pick a team. I'm not saying it's a team that's never won the World Cup before, though. I think Colombia would be a clear fit for something like this. It is going to be a team. That if they win, it will be a triumphant victory that will definitely, the the naysayers, the doubters, will be on this team. But they're going to they're gonna make it through. And they're going to win. And it's going to be fucking awesome. They're going to get the breaks. Fuck Germany and Brazil. Not picking them. Or Spain. They're out. I like it. I like it. I mean, I like that we're sort of narrowing the categories for you as well. Now, Joe, you, on the other hand, you can pick whoever you want. I mean, f- frankly, as a San Diego fan and a 
Tottenham fan, maybe you would just want to pick a Germany or Brazil just so you can enjoy a victory, you know? Look, to, to pick... It, or maybe I want to pick the most Spursy of all the teams I can, right? I mean, look, it's it's clearly what I'm attracted to. Yeah, and this is one thing I also noticed when it happened. A part of me did die a little bit because basically for my whole life, I've been like, ugh, you can't believe I'm a Washington fan. We never win. But I... that. It's dead. Like we won. We won something. So how can I? And and your your beloved Golden State Warriors too. Yeah, I don't. I don't You're... care about the Warriors. They're not my team. But like, it doesn't matter. Look, I, I like the Capitals. I, we won. I, I'm no longer that person. I would be very curious to see if there was a place where I could find is is San Diego the most cursed city? Are we the biggest chumps? Maybe you'd say in sports. If, if only somebody should really get on that, Joe. It's true. Anyways, as I pour myself another shot of this Cristal Cien Azucar, I've got the first score in the books, Joe. Boy, we have so much to cover tonight. We, again, have... This is definitely going to be our first three-hour podcast, which I'm very excited for, because we have 40 minutes left of pre-tapes, so (laughs) this is is guaranteed to be the first three-hour podcast. And that's not even counting Germany, Joe. So uh, where do you want to go first? Uh, let's uh, let's see what the uh, cards say. Uh, we are going to go with category category three. Category three. Wow, food and couponing, Joe. Oh, the controversial one. Let's uh, let's go to the tape. So here's another category. Uh, this is a fan favorite uh, that sort of arose through. It's too long a story to talk about why we talk about this on the podcast, but we're very curious about how a country relates to couponing. Coupon, like, you know, like, you know, do people use coupons there? Uh, and then the food from the country, of course. So food and couponing done by superfan Emily uh, out of Chicago uh, says, okay. Uh, she says, Columbia has Groupon. Look at that. You can download Groupon to go to Columbia. As with many of the Latin American countries we've talked about, Colombia dishes very widely, dishes very widely, I think she means differs very widely by region and are influenced by native cultures and Spain, Africa, and the Middle East. With a wide variety of ecosystems from the Andes Mountains to the Pacific and Caribbean coastlines, plains and Amazon rainforests, the food is filled with diversity. The types of tropical fruit available have led the country to being one of the largest consumers of fruit juices. Interesting. Uh, For food, some of the most common ingredients are rice, maize, uh, tubers such as potato and cassava, assorted legumes. I'm I'm a huge legume fan. Uh, Meat, meat including beef, chicken, pork, and goat, fish and seafood. Uh, Okay, I'm going to... There's another pronunciation, Daniel. Get ready for it. Bandeja paisa is the national dish of Colombia. It consists of rice, plantains, arepa, avocado, mincemeat, chorizo, black sausage, and fried pork rind. Okay, a lot of this is stuff that a rabbi's family can't have. Uh, With a fried egg on top. A second contender as a national dish is ajiaco, which is a stew made primarily of chicken, corn, hot pepper, potatoes, and is typically served with a side of rice. Well, you could have that if it was kosher chicken, sure. Um, Arapas are corn cakes that are found at most meals during the day and at street vendor carts. 
They are used as a bread for sandwiches and come in many varieties like arepas de queso, cornflakes and cheese. Uh, or corn cakes, not corn flakes. Um, uh, patacones, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that one wrong. Fried green plantains are a popular snack along with tamales and empanadas. So grab a coffee, fried food, and enjoy the game. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so let's start with uh, with uh, what's probably missing from that list, which is spices. Ah, okay. Um, Colombian Colombian cuisine is notoriously not spicy. Um, you know, people like to think of Latin American countries sort of, you know, but it's stereotypes that we grew up with. So in the United States, we think, oh, Latin America, so they must do like chili peppers and all those sort of things, and that's really a Central American Mexican. Tradition in most of Latin America, the idea of eating food that's so spicy that it burns your tongue is actually not uh, not appealing. Um, so, so just want to add that. Um, as far as the food that she described, you know, pretty much everything that she described, I've been exposed to, and it's definitely there. I don't know if bandeja paisa is considered the national dish because it is so regional. Um, uh. The word paisa refers to um, you know, primarily the area around Antioquia, believe it or not, um, and uh, you know the departments in that surrounding zone, uh, around, uh, in that mountain range. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if bandeja paisa would be something that serves on the you know, on the on the on the eastern plains or on the coasts as a as a as a thing, but it's definitely an iconic dish. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of this stuff on bandeja paisa I've never tried. Uh, it's not, you know, not available to me, but I've eaten a variant where, you know, you omit all the pork products and, you know, using kosher ingredients and, and such. Um, it's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. And it's very filling. Yeah. Um, uh, patacones are, uh, you, you, you haven't lived until you've gone to a Colombian restaurant where they do the patacones as thinly, thinly you know, smashed as, as you can get it. It's truly an amazing uh, uh, food. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and and the you know what I'll say about arepa is if, if, if you are having trouble sort of figuring out what an arepa is by the description, uh, think of like a, a a corn tortilla, but think about it like as, as a thick cake as opposed to a thin one that is. Prepared in any number of ways, um, and it's usually basically which region of the country are you in? So, um, in parts of so where having a cheese filling would be very common, uh, or or simply a thin variety with cheese melted on top, or some kind of cream, uh, like a sour, almost like a sour cream added, would be very typical. Um, I believe. In more coastal regions, they favor a fried variety, um, which I, is absolutely delicious. Uh, I used to get for breakfast this one variety where they open it up, they crack an egg into the middle, close it, and then throw it in the deep fryer. Oh, man. That sounds awesome. Really amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. My, my mouth is watering to think <laughs> about it. Um, I know. Are there, are there good Colombian restaurants in, in Los Angeles where you live? I mean, have you found, found authentic places? Well, I've, not, I've, I've driven past, like, one, but because 
because of my dietary restrictions, uh, religiously, I haven't actually gone to the party. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I've, I've become more religious over the course of my life, <laughs> so it's been a bit of a, of a thing. But um, if I do find it, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, and the last thing I'd say is that with ajiaco, ajiaco is a delicious stew. Um, um, typically served with rice and uh, also actually cream on top, believe it or not. So you have like, like sour cream on top. So, so you know, speaking about kosher varieties, uh, I grew up with ajiaco that was without cream and with kosher chicken, and it was delicious. Um, uh, it's hard to get the ingredients for that in the United States because there's an herb that was not described in your uh, your expert's uh, uh, recipe called wascas. Wascas. Um, which I, I don't even know what it looks like. It's like some kind of a plant that in Colombia you can buy it, you know, fresh, but here in the United States you got to go to specialist stores and usually buy it uh, dried out and it doesn't quite work the same. Um but uh, yeah, if you can get yourself like get, get your hands on macchiato, you're, you're you're in for a great great meal. And the last thing I'd say is um, fish is also a big part of the Colombian diet. Um, you know, we had yeah. Uh, you would think with that much coast, it must be right. Yeah, that makes sense. That much coast, and also uh, quite a few rivers running through the country. Uh, we had a lot of river trout when I was when I was growing up. Um, and on the coast, you'll find, you know, all variety of fish and seafood. Uh, one of our, my, my particular favorite things as a coastal dish was, um, they would take a red snapper and, like, f- put flour on it and throw it in a deep fire hole. And it comes out, like, all puffed up and, like, tender and, and delicious. Uh, and you eat the whole thing. Like, it's just, you know, uh, very basic, but also very satisfying food in that case. Now, now, what about the couponing thing? Now, do you remember using coupons much, your mom or dad or whatever, or you when you go shopping, clipping, clipping coupons, or, or you know, I guess that would have been pre-groupon. But like, do you think of it? Is it is it a haggling culture? Like, if you go into a store, do you get to like, is the price a suggestion, or like, what's the what's the couponing? What's your perspective on the couponing in Colombia? So. I was too young to remember what like the whole money thing was in Colombia, as far as coupons concerned. Um, I I don't know actually if there's much of a couponing culture in Colombia. Um, my recollection is that prices are pretty much what they are. There's not much like negotiation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say uh, I'd say that um, my experience was that people generally are pretty harmonious about about the price listings. But also there's more holistic experience of the service industry when you're down there. Uh, what I mean by that is, so like it hasn't been really talked about so far in, in this conversation, but coffee is actually a very big deal in in, in parts of Colombia. Um, so like in the business world, business offices would have a person hired whose job was nothing more than to prepare coffee and have it ready for for people around the office. So it's like the office barista. Uh, yes, but of course this is not an espresso. This is sort of a, you know, picture like drift coffee but done more 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 strongly. Oh. In tiny in tiny cups. Like it's not and with lots of sugar. So like if we had if we had someone like that in my office, they would immediately become my favorite person. 
Right, and and and, and understandably, these people are also actually very much valued in their in their where they work. Um, and you can picture any sort of major business transaction would be done in a more casual, down over a cup of coffee uh, kind of kind of experience. So there's a lot more of a sense of like like if you're if you're, if you're spending money here, I'm going to do my best to accommodate what it is you're asking for within reason. Um, so people are, you know, it, it's been my experience that you don't really haggle over price, but people will generally go the extra mile to make you feel like you've received good service. Um, Interesting. Um, and of course, you got to be careful also because there is some dishonesty out there. You know, I don't want to sure put everything Columbia does have some, you know, some security and some uh, some issues with crime, um, uh, but for the savvy consumer, maybe that's why there's, there's, I can't recollect a, a couponing culture. Maybe it's like you know people don't believe in in too good to be true kind of deals. Yeah, well, 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 they have couponing now, so maybe you know there's a nice coupon out there for some patacones, and and you know it is too good to be true. You know, who knows. I'll say two things. One, Colombian food sounds delicious. Two, it does seem like a curse to be a kosher person in Colombia. Yeah, it did, did seem tough when the, the foods were being described. And it's just like, whoop, can't have that. Whoop, can't have that. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, Given that we, we 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 have to you know fill in some of the time on this podcast because there's not much to talk about, um, <laughs> does Joe Pixpotism have any dietary restrictions in your mind? Hmm. Well, I think uh, the Passover, for example, one of my beloved holidays, it commands us to do two things that I love to do. It commands mm-hmm. us to recline and it commands us to have four glasses of wine. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Talk about talk about a well thought out holiday. The Jews brought their A game with Passover. I know Passover is good. Look, I mean throwing throwing in the reclining that was that's some that's some good marketing right there. Every follower of Joe Pixpotism, regardless what country they're in, regardless where in the world they are, even if they go to Antarctica, much like people of the Christian faith like to wear a cross as a necklace. You know, other put it on the put the Jesus fish on their card, do all sorts of things like that. A Joe Picks podest must have a bottle of Zabrowka somewhere in their house. Period. It's true. It's true. I, they don't necessarily have to drink it, though. They must offer it to guests, and if a guest drinks it, they must also drink of it. As as a as one caveat, I think being an inclusive religion. If you are a recovering alcoholic, you can buy a bottle, pour it out, and pour water in there. Just to, but you, you have to have the bottle. The bottle's the part that matters, and you have to keep in that that piece of bison grass. Correct, correct. And as another part of our religion, when you finish a bottle of Zabrowka, you must take that piece of bison grass out, and you must keep that. And when you get your next bottle of Zabrowka, you must put the bison grass into the new bottle. So. The bison grass will build up over time, much as we build up as people, as we gain experiences through choices we make. 
And your Zabrauka will be sort of a counter of that, of the experience you gain in life by drinking Zabrauka. That's beautiful, Dan. Look. Beautiful. I, was a, I agree. I, I wish I were drinking Zabrauka. I, I'm definitely drinking it during the playoffs. <laughs> Although this Cristal scene Azucar is pretty good. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, I think this food sounds great. I think the couponing sounds um, like fine. Seems like they, you know, they have Groupon. Uh, I think the, coupon, the way Karsten the described the food is in tough his, with all the crime. I mean, that's it's a, it's, it's tough. I think this food sounds actually like a like a pretty good food country. The spice thing was interesting to me, uh, and you know, I like spicy food. Yeah. So I, I I would say an eight, but but based on my love of spice, I'm going to knock it down to a seven and a half. Seven and a half. It's still so good score, Joe. Oh, well, I mean, look, I mean, it, it sounds amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, well, Carson sent a picture of some dish. Looked really fucking good. I'm in. Didn't look kosher, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next up we have category. Ooh, the Joker. Wow. Free pick. Let's go. Wow. Let's go straight to celebrities. Wow. All right, Joe. Not a pre-tape here, but from fan emeritus Karsten, who's already he's already been in here with his email. He comes back for the biggest celebrity. And he's back. Karsten, send in the celebrities for these both at the, the, the nick of time. But you know, another Joe Pixpod miracle. Honorable mention, drug lord Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. In his glory days, mm-hmm. the king of cocaine was worth $30 billion, which today a lot. would be a net worth of $56 billion. Although some of his work for the poor won him popularity at the time, it does not change his legacy of violence and terrorism, and that the reign of his cartel made Colombia the murder capital of the world. That's not good. Another honorable mention, Maluma, a Colombian singer. He may have a single current... Well, that's a spoiler. Anyways, Colombian singer, boom. Bronze, racing driver Juan Pablo Montoya. He has competed in IndyCar racing, NASCAR, and Formula One. He has a combined 25 wins, 56 podiums, and 166 top 10 finishes. He won the 2015 Indy 500. It's pretty good, Joe. But how about this for the silver medalist? Actress and model Sofia Vergara. Vagara was discovered as a model in Colombia at age 17, appearing in a Pepsi commercial. She rose to prominence in the U.S. after appearance in the 2003 film Chasing Poppy. She currently stars in the ABC series Modern Family. In 2016, she was the top-earning television actress in the United States, coming in with 9.4 million Twitter followers and, yeah, 14.2 million Instagram followers. That's a lot. The gold medalist, Joe. I mean, there's only one right answer here. Oh, well, we'll see, Joe. I'm. Uh, I, I hope. I hope we're all on the same page here. I'm going. There's only one page to be on. I'm going to play a sound clip and see if you can guess who the number one is based on this sound clip. The sooner you get it, the uh, the more impressed I'll be. Shakira. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. I, well, I'm going to play that in the background as I uh, as I read the rest of it. 
Let's just get it to the right volume. There we go. Okay. Perhaps the most successful artist to transition from Latin pop to the U.S. music industry, as well as my childhood crush, singer-songwriter Shakira. She broke onto the U.S. music scene with a breakthrough album, Laundry Service, in 2002. Perhaps her most... Why rec- limited to childhood crush? I mean, come on, Karsten. Yeah, she's awesome. Perhaps her most recognizable single, Hips Don't Lie, was the best-selling single of the 2000s, according to Yahoo. In addition to tremendous musical success, Shakira engages in philanthropic work with UNICEF, as well as her charity, PA's Descalzon, Descalzos, which builds schools in Colombia's poor communities. Will Joe belly dance his way to a 10 out of 10 celebrity score for the only country that truly deserves it. Shakira comes in, 52 million Twitter followers, 47.9 million Instagram followers, and yes, Joe, she has a new single with that honorable mention, Maluma. Dan, Dan, do your hips lie ever? Ah, sometimes. What about like a white lie to spare someone's feelings? Would your hips do that? Oh, my hips lie all the time, Joe. (laughs) My hips don't lie, but they sometimes omit the truth. Look, a lie by omission, Joe. That's a lie. (laughs) I mean, look, this is, this is a 10 out of 10. Wow. 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 It's a homeland of Shakira. Come on. I mean, you can't beat that. Would it have been a 10 out of 10 if I didn't have the sound clip ready? It would have been a 10 out of 10 even if you said there are no other celebrities here. It's just, I mean, let's be honest. If Shakira and Mauricio Pochettino had a baby, <laughs> it'd be my favorite person in the world. Wow. I mean, I love Shakira. Shakira was like the heyday of my late high school, like when we finally got cable and uh, <laughs> when I was like a junior and a senior in high school. And I would just watch MTV all the time. Watch the music videos over and over again. And, you know, Shakira's music videos are just exceptional. Your parents really did hold out on that cable thing. <laughs> did hold out. But, man, when I got it, Joe, it was just MTV. I would just have, like, I would go to sleep with MTV on every night. Because at, at after, like, midnight back then, they actually would just play music videos over and over again. So it would, like, go out and I'd put the sleep timer on on the TV. It's good stuff, Joe. Ugh, I wish I had a sleep timer right now. Uh, next up is Category 7. Wow, Category 7, Atrocities. Superfan Josh PH2, who will have a voicemail coming up in the next episode. During the early 20th century, there was a massive boom in the production of Amazonian rubber. For about 20 years, from 1910 to 1930, a firm backed by the Colombian government terrorized indigenous Amazonians destroying their lands and forcing them to work harvesting rubber under the threat of torture or death. As many as 100,000 indigenous people were killed during this period. That said, the Colombian government issued an official apology in 2012. More recently, Colombia has had a long-running civil war between various governments and far-left Marxist-Leninist guerrillas. That's led to many atrocities and acts of violence. Oh, FARC, yeah, we talk about that a bunch. So it's mostly kept local, so we can't punish them too much on that score. There's also the drug trade, but there are many Colombian victim, many Colombian victims there too. Atrocity level jalapeno. That's not bad. I mean, God, between this and Belgium, like, is it impossible to harvest rubber and not not murder massive numbers of people? I mean, I don't know how it's harvested, but look, back in the old days, harvesting cotton before uh, the cotton gin was was pretty similar in that 
used a lot of human labor and it, it led to some very, very horrible things. So rubber might be similar. Yeah. So look, I mean, it's, it's not great uh, because of the rubber thing. And also, I mean, I guess we get into this with the government a bit, but like the idea that like, it's not like there wasn't like some official complicity with the drug trade too. Um, so let's say uh, four out of 10. Four out of 10. Seems like a fair score. Oh, you're waiting for me. Yeah. Again, uh, if it were, if I were editing, I would edit that out. <laughs> okay. Category six. At, at some point in the podcast, Joe, are you just going to fall asleep and I'm just going to just do it on my own and just yep. <laughs> do the picking? Look, just, just loop in some other picks that I made. <laughs> it's fine. You, you've been doing this with me now, Dan, for like... 70 episodes you know what i'm gonna pick you're right i could go back in the old episodes and be like yeah all right yeah uh <laughs> six and a half and then i'll oh wow great score joe <laughs> for all people know we're doing that right now yeah they can't tell the difference what do you say six all right hey pre yeah. tape joe fan culture i want to talk about the fan culture uh so this is you know our category where we really rate how a team how much does this team love their national team? What is their fan oh, yeah. culture? Is there anything unique about it? So, uh, you know, I haven't read this yet, but our our fan emeritus that does this research is is a German. So, you know, I don't know if his perspective is going to be, you know, right on or not, but let's hear what uh, fan emeritus David has to say. Okay, uh, Columbia, very passionate, immense pride. Everything stops during World Cup games. Since 2014, support has only grown. The importance of the game increased since then. People watching games are focused completely on the game. They watch with the whole family or in restaurants with friends. Oh, and this is from not from David, from Yannick. Superman Yannick, I apologize for that. They're both German, though. Um, they like to drink. They, 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 they probably know each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, they, like to, they, they like to drink aguardiente. We got that again here. And eat piccata. Piccata. Uh, basically a mix of a lot of meat and indigenous fruits and vegetables. They have the super fan, El Cole, and he sent me a picture of this, who dresses up in an eagle costume. It's a very colorful eagle costume. And they like to dance the salsa for celebration. Colombia games are like mini carnival. He says uh, the, the, the chief rivals, Brazil and Argentina. Of course. Sure. So there you go. So so now, now were you in Colombia for for any of the big World Cups? I mean, do you remember what the sort of atmosphere is when they when a game is happening? Like, what? How do Colombians relate to their football? So there are. I mean, there are two levels here. Um, there are definitely some people who have this for their, their local fandom, like their local you know, club team, like like. That's what they follow. But because the local club teams are not nearly as wealthy as they are in you know, European leagues, a lot of Colombian national team players play in European leagues. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so, so you know, a lot of the people that you see in the Colombian national team don't have a following in Colombia for, you know, for local games. It's just not a thing. But, but I 
trying to remember. I, I was definitely in Columbia for, what was it, 20... No. Uh, I was definitely in Columbia for, for whatever the World Cup was in, in the 90s. I just can't remember the, exactly where it was or what, or, or what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, as a child, one of the biggest things in preparation for the World Cup was collecting these, like, like photo album books. I don't know how to explain it. There's a company, I think it's an Italian company called Panini. Oh my God, this just, this just came up from one of our super fans from England who was like, this is my World Cup tradition that I do every, every World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I, I did that when I was in Colombia, um, which was, you know, looking back with a very peculiar thing because like, all you're doing is collecting pictures of people that you don't know. But, um, but, uh, like, people really got into that, and, like, there's a whole, whole, you know, oh, no, there's all these counterfeit ones out there, now you have to watch out for those. And it was a big, you know, thing, like, getting steeped in the, the sensation of getting, you know, going to the games. Um, I mean, there are there have been iconic players, you know, throughout history. Uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you came across, like, El Pide Valderrama. Uh, who was this guy who, you know, his only claim to fame as far as I can tell is that he, his hair was like Einstein's hair, but blonde. <laughs> so like, you see people wearing, you know, these huge wigs, um, you know, to celebrate that player. Another thing is that a lot of players uh, on the Colombian national team come from from uh, like rural areas. So like, it's a very democratizing, you know, thing to see these people who come from these like, what, you want, what we would call like backwater towns, but somehow they made it up by the their prowess on the field. Yeah. Um. So like, like you don't see. There's no like professional like. Let's make Colombian players uh, complex. You know. There's no like you know. It's not like the Chinese Olympics or or the, Ru- the Russian team that like these are people who are bred for greatness from early on. These are people who like. You know, between working in you know sugar plantations, plantations or something like that, they're they're kicking the ball around because that's the only game that you can play anywhere in the country. Right. And they're eventually you know becoming. Because all you need is a ball in a field. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I remember. I remember. I remember us picking up for school, and it was a long route from from where I was in school. And I remember like. I could tell where there was construction going on along the way because you always see like makeshift soccer pitches built around, <laughs> you know, because what do the workers do on their time, on, the, on, the, you know, they're on their break? They go and kick a ball around because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, so, so like the fandom for the national team is pretty intense. Um, anytime Columbia wins the match, you can pretty much guarantee yourself that you're not going to be able to drive anywhere. Um, traffic will be absolutely insane. Um, and if you go to public parks and, and recreation areas, you might have to take a shower afterwards because people will be throwing cornmeal in the air in celebration. And, um, you know, it, gets, it just gets a little bit, it, people get a little bit out of control, I think, with their celebrations because they feel very strongly and they feel you know, connected to these people who, who, who are a lot like them, you know? Yeah, no, I love that about uh, the team. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's great. Well, uh, I'll tell you, you know, uh, there must be something about the whole, like, you know, watching in restaurants thing, because when I moved to LA in, in 2014, 
Uh, it happened to be the summer of the of the World Cup. And um, Colombia did very well in that World Cup. Yeah, sure. Colombia was doing very well, and I remember I made it a point to go to like a local like place that was showing the games to, to watch it because I wanted to be with people to be able to cheer on my team. And of course, when Colombia was playing against Brazil, uh, was it was it, well, yeah, it was against Brazil? Yeah. And that terrible, terrible game where you know they the, the referees totally like gave it to the Brazilians. I think. Um, uh, I, the bakery where I was watching the game got filled up with Brazilians. What's worse, Brazilian Jews? Like who knew? Oh man, Brazilian Jews. Oh LA. god, it's, it's so it's so conflicting. <laughs> and it was just so obnoxious. And I thought, you know, if I weren't the only Colombian in this room, I'd probably be this obnoxious as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's definitely, there's definitely, even for people like myself who don't follow the game, don't follow the, the particulars, the moment that you see your, your that golden jersey, um, and, 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 and you see them, you know, doing something that, that represents this, this country in such a positive way that gives us that feeling of hope that, Everything is going to be okay because, you know, those of us who who, who want progress and who want things to go well are, are doing their best effort. Uh, you know, that it, it's really it really creates a lot of pride. I mean, the way that Daniel infuses his fan culture with like the hope of the country. I mean, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, I mean, it does sound like just it. Soccer is just a unifying thing and has been and. As I, you know, back in the 90s when they were in the World Cup, when times were rougher, I mean, obviously the horrible murder aside, it is it is cool just to have something that the whole country can bond over. And, um, you know, that's frankly one of the things I think is so sad about the U.S. not being in the World Cup because the U.S. is so divided right now. And, like, at least the sports-loving fans, like, you can all get together in the World Cup. but And it does sound like Colombia, especially now – as you know, and we'll get into it more in his other pre-tape about the politics, but you know, it, a country that loves and, and cares so much about this team, especially as this, the country is is becoming you know better and better, is uh, it, you know, it's very exciting. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I mean, I I do just think this is a unique fan culture uh, that is distinct from other South American countries. It just has its own traditions, but it's also just, I mean. Just, you know, reminding me a little bit of like Uruguay of like, I mean, it's interesting with Daniel that he's someone who's like very humble about his own soccer watching. He like, he kept like saying in various ways, like, well, I don't really follow it. Like, yeah, like I'm not that invested in the team. And yet, like he does far more than most American fans, which is like, if they're playing, he's at a bar watching the game, yeah you know? And that is like, I think that says more than anything is that like for a Colombian, he is super casual. He's almost casual to the point of disinterest compared to other Colombians, but for an American fan, he's like, you know, very, very invested in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think they have a very strong f- fan culture. Eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Half the American fans are, are about to be super disappointed on Thursday when they're like, when is the U S playing? And they're like, oh, <laughs> know, they're not. I know. All right, Dan, category nine. Category nine, Joe. Wow. How exciting. The system of government, head of state. This is this is a, a really interesting one. I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, here we go. It's another pre-tape. Here's a category uh, that I think will be interesting. Uh, let's talk about the politics of Colombia. So, you know, one thing, one category for me, if I'm going to root for a World Cup team, 
if I'm going to pick a World Cup team this this year, I don't want to root for a place that has a terrible political landscape or, you know, um, I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm, I have a chance to not root for America. So I'm not going to pick one with as, as fucked up a political situation as we have right now. So, uh, so we analyze the politics of each team. So I'm going to talk about the politics and, you know, I'm sure that, you know, uh, with as invested as your family is in Colombia, um, you know, I'm sure it's something that you follow. So I want to hear, you know, how this, um, how this fits with your, perspective this is from super fan bez a politician in his own right uh um uh so he says um colombia has significant national excuse me has significant natural resources and its culture reflects the indigenous indian spanish and african origins of its people but it also has been ravaged by a decades-long violent conflict involving outlawed armed groups drug cartels, and gross violation of human rights. Although, since 2002, the country has been making significant progress towards improving security. The fourth largest country in South America and one of the continent's most populous nations, Colombia has substantial oil reserves and is a major producer of gold, silver, emeralds, platinum, and coal. The politics of Colombia is a presidential, representative, democratic republic, whereby the president of Colombia is both the head of state and the head of government, Legislative power is vested in both the government and the two chambers of Congress. Of Congress, the Senate. Oh my God! Every country has a Senate. That's a little aside, but it's crazy how many countries have a Senate. The Senate and the House of Representatives. All right, that's right out of the American playbook. Uh, Colombian politics is marked by extraordinary violence. Citizens resort to arms to resolve political differences to a degree unmatched in South America. Three presidential candidates were assassinated during the 1990 campaign. And others had attempts made on their lives. The election of of uh, Cesar Gaviria in 1990 brought an opportunity for political peace. A new constitution was written in 1991, and several guerrilla groups entered the political arena after being demobilized. By the time drug lords had come to replace, by that time, drug lords had come to replace guerrilla leaders as the main threat to political and social stability. Pablo Escobar, the leader of the powerful Medellin drug cartel was in prison but eventually managed to escape at that point gaviria declared war on drug cartels and was killed in a 1993 confrontation oh brutal the longest running armed insurgency in history has been carried out by the guerrilla group the farc f-a-r-k or f-a-r-c the farc a communist army that fights and kills to end inequality Decades of murder, extortion, rape, and assassination were due to come to an end when President Juan Manuel Santos agreed to a peace with the rebels. However, the country marginally voted to reject the deal. Oh, my God. In a 2016 referendum, the government adopted the peace deal a year later without a second vote. The FARC has transformed itself into a political party since the deal and has put down its arms. Colombia has its peace for now, but it is, fra- it is a fragile one that may shatter at any moment. Oh, man. Okay. So, there's a lot there to comment on, but what I want to emphasize is if you want to pick a team based on the politics, you got to understand that Colombia is the country of hope. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, so, like, England is out. Like, they Brexit. They're done. They're, they're not going to be, you know, you're, you're getting no hope from England for a while. America's right. out. We all agree. America's out. You know, they're out because they're out of the past and they're out because, well, we just can't look around the world 
people, people, people are pretty excited about Canada. I mean, Canada's not in the World Cup, so it doesn't matter. But I mean, people, people like this Trudeau character. Right. Well, you know, that's great for him, but he needs to put his country in the World Cup for it to matter. So that's you know. true. That's true. Yeah, and, and you know, shame on him for not for not getting better soccer players. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, so, so what I'll say is, um, Colombia right now is the country of hope. Like, yes, they had a referendum on the peace process, and predictably, the few people who went out to vote were those that voted against it. But unlike other referendum countries, they learned from their mistake. Meaning. It would have been fine for the politicians to say, oh, well, I guess the population doesn't want to do this. They want to keep on, you know, investing resources and whatever and killing each other. But, but we're going to do the right thing this time. We're going to have a vote in the, you know, in the Congress. I can't remember which chamber it was. And, 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 and we're going to go with that vote instead of the referendum. We're actually going to do what representative government is supposed to do. So it gives me hope that Colombia, yes, they had this vote. And yes, you know, it went the way that, you know, it, should, it went that way because, you know, people are going to, there's a lot of hurt there. But at the same time, the country that after having done that didn't just throw their hands up and go, well, I guess that's it. We're going to keep on fighting each other. They went ahead and started a peace process. And yeah, it's a painful one. And yeah, people are, you know, they're, like, they're, 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 there's a lot of sadness and no one is untouched by, by the tragedies of this, of this really, really long conflict. Um, but, uh, but you gotta start somewhere. And I think that it's to their credit that their, po- their political leaders actually, you know, went forward with that. Um, about the resolution of things of violence. Now, this is more of a odd factoid, but I just gotta share this with you. When we were visiting in 2010, uh, my wife, you know, your, your, your cousin and I, we, we went to a restaurant, and the entire time that I was in Colombia, I was looking for a refajo, believe it or not, like just to bring it back to the cocktails. I was looking for this drink. And they took, they took us to this really famous restaurant, which I highly recommend, called Andres Carderes, uh, which is a really chunky place. The owner owns a, junk, a, a junkyard, and he uses the junk from the junkyard to make art and decorates the whole place. It's really cool. And I said, okay, great, I'm going to get an authentic refajo here. It's going to be awesome. And they, you know, I asked the waiter for it, and he said to me, I'm so sorry, sir, but because tomorrow's election day, I'm not allowed to serve you alcohol, I'll give you the version, the, a version, version of it. A version, version of it. So it turns out that some years ago, because people get so up in arms about their political leanings around election time, uh, there was a lot of violence ah, during, I like it. during the elections. And so Colombia passed a law that on the day, like the night before elections, uh, no no restaurant, no bar may serve alcohol. The idea being that if we can curb people's alcohol intake, we might be able to curb a little bit of the the violence that might ensue from people, you know, drunkenly fighting over which candidate they're voting over. Um, so yeah, so that's like that's the reality that people people feel very passionately. People people feel very strongly. And, and uh, you know, that gets expressed not only in soccer, but in, in real life. Um, so so that, that, those are my two, like, bullet points here. One is, yeah, it's true, people can be kind of violent and kind of, you know, out of, out of sorts. But at the same time, this is a country that, that reigned in sort of the populist, uh, you know, uh, let's burn this mother down tendency. Yeah. And, and 
with the peace process, which, let's face it, what other country has been, you know, in, in civil war for, you know, over six, seven decades, and is and, and, and anywhere near, you know, being able to reintegrate, uh, you know, those elements of their society to be able to move forward. Well, I mean, I, um, I, I like the notion of what you're saying, because it's like the idea that Colombia had its Brexit moment, but had but came out, but has come out the other side of it, right? Like, so so yeah, they had it. It was not great, but like, but but they've dealt with it and and they've moved on and they figured out a better way to govern. So yeah, that to, to, to throw out one more like sort of comparison point in uh, in the United States, we have people who are you know Civil War reenactors. We have people who venerate the Civil War in this country, yeah. such that they go out there and they'll dress up in the, you know, in the uniforms of the, you know, the people who tried to tear this, this country apart and pretend to, you know, to kill their brethren. And, 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 and it's sort of this huge you know, thing. In Colombia, they had a civil war not long after the country became independent from Spain. Um, and the years of that civil war and, and that strife, the, you know, Colombians refer to that as la patria boba, which means the dumb, the, the dumb, uh, uh, fatherland, <laughs> meaning we don't venerate the fact that we were ever at civil war. It's not something of honor or, or, or something to be, you know, to, to be celebrated. The fact that these, you know, the, this nascent country devolved into this kind of infighting is something that we actually should be sad about. Um, and had it not been for the, that infighting, you know, Colombia would have been this huge country. You know, Colombia was originally Colombia, Venezuela. Uh, Ecuador, uh, Peru, Bolivia, like that was all one country when they became independent. Um, and, and people sort of mourned the fact that they couldn't hold it together. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so people, so, you know, Colombians, yeah, we've had, they've had, we've had our, our ups and downs, but as far as Latin American countries go, I think we're learning. We're, they're, they're showing the propensity to grow politically, to grow as a, as a, as a, as a, as a nation. So I'll throw that out there. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, because this is the first time that the drug t- cartels have come up. Um, do you do you know, if you were like Pablo Escobar's accountant, did he use <laughs> did he use an Apple or did he use an IBM computer? So I don't believe Escobar was, um, I don't believe he was operating when personal computers were quite the thing yet. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, before the cartels, so when Escobar was killed, and you know, when all that happened, the cartels were basically expelled from Colombia. They left, and they all went to Mexico. And so that's why you know you have this huge problem with uh, you know Mexican cartels nowadays. That they they left one basically they, they set up shop somewhere else. Um, so. When the cartels were operating in Colombia, the Colombian economy was actually doing very, very well because of what you might call ghost money. That is, yes, uh, it's, it's money that's illegally got, but somehow it has to go into the system. And so the entire Colombian you know, economy was powered by these cartels laundering the money through the economy, buying, you know, these sort of things. And all that money disappeared when the cartels left. I tell you that story because I'm going to tell you another story that, again, serves in a very sketchy, you know, outline here. <laughs> there were times, again, my father was operating his business after the cartels were gone. 
but the, you know the the drug trade in Colombia was taken on by the by FARC and other rebel groups. So so you take sort of the business end of that and you add the militant you know ideology and you end up with this explosive combination. But anyway, that's a digression. My father operates his business, and of course, computers back then are not cheap. Arguably, they're not cheap now, but the cheaper now they were then. And my dad, my dad tells me stories about how, like, there were times when strange figures would appear in, like, let's say, motorcades of, you know, I don't know what the, what the you know, scary vehicle of the day was, but, you know, these people show up in, like, black suits, whatever. They, you know, they, they, they make their presence known, and they, they close the door of the shop, they lock the doors, and they say, I want to buy... X number of computers from you. Oh, and I'm going to pay cash. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, like to this day, my dad does not know with any certainty if that had anything to do with those things. <laughs> but it's not outside the realm of possibility that someone's like, oh, these computers are like top end, really expensive, uh, and I got a bunch of you know bunch of cash I need to unload into yeah. the economy. Yeah. I'm going to go buy some computers. Yeah. Um, so, so these kinds of stories, you know, they're out there. Um, and, and I mean, I imagine that, I mean, of all the businesses you're running, having a good, reliable computer is super important to being, you know, a, a cartel boss. You need, I mean, like, talk about a business that needs spreadsheets. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, you need a powerful machine right. for that. Well, I mean, I think... Dan, how do you how do you think about a country that has obvious like issues with corruption? I mean, just like at a certain point, did people just stop running for president because they're like, "Well, I'm going to get assassinated if I run for this job." Yeah, I mean, it is, it is tough, and I, I was reading about it, um, you know, independently as I was like writing the intro, and, and obviously he talks so much about it, but but it very it is so interesting to like read about this from the outside and be like oh it's this horribly violent dangerous place while this stuff is going on and look this stuff is going on but he lived there and you know like people live there and most of the people like don't get murdered so i I think there is like um some idea people have that it's like if the if the place is like more dangerous than where they live it's like the most dangerous place in the world and um Whereas it's not like, obviously it was dangerous back then. They've made a lot of improvements along the way. A lot of the violence was um, in the drug trades. And and I thought it was really interesting when he talked about how it like moved to Mexico, which is, it is really crazy to think just how much violence follows these drug trades. And just like, if you can just get them out of your country, like how huge that is just for security and, and, Order. That's going to be season three of Narcos. I'm super excited. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, how do you rate a country that, okay, obviously there's problems. Obviously there's violence. I mean, a civil war. And the referendum about the civil war stuff is so interesting to me. That, like, they, they, they sort of had that moment where the populace took a vote that was, like, maybe a little bit, protectionist or whatever like was sort of populist in a way um i mean that in a bad way like right-wing populism uh but then the government was like no that's stupid 
fuck you guys, you know, Um, uh, which is kind of great. So this country that has all these problems, but seems to be on the right trajectory. And like, I guess I think, you know, a little bit like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of other countries that we've talked about that were like, you know, war torn and, and had civil wars or whatever, but then have had stability. And it's like, oh, look, that stability really does produce good soccer too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you see it clearly in the in the performance of the country because, look, as you, as you said, this is a big country. Like Uruguay is this tiny little country that is putting together, it's, you know, way out punching its weight. Colombia is a pretty big country, you know. Obviously, it's it's nothing compared to like uh, Brazil or Argentina, but it's so it's, it's a big country, fifty million people, you know, in South America that where soccer is the number one sport. So, I mean, you can imagine how much this violence and instability must have just been hurting the ability to to find the best talent and you know put together a, a quality national team. And now, as the country is stabilizing, I mean, like. They just had their best World Cup in 2014, and they're one of the top 10 teams in the world in this World Cup, which is obviously the best probably they've ever been coming into the World Cup. So I, I think if you're looking at a country on the rise, like this is probably one of them, because you can just imagine the younger generation of soccer players is probably being developed now in a much safer, in a much more stable country, um, you know, in, in 10 years, you know, who knows what, what kind of soccer stars they can be producing. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, I think I like the trajectory here. I'm going to once again say, yes, seven and a half out of ten. Wow. Good score. But look, you, you love the – you like the trajectory. I love the redemption story. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Up next is – well, what do we have left here? Four and eleven. Four and eleven, the old four and eleven. It is category eleven. Category eleven. Ooh. All right, Joe. National anthem from Super Fan Tony PhD. The national anthem of the Republic of Colombia in Spanish, Himno Nacional de la República de Colombia, is the official name of the national anthem of Colombia. This anthem, commonly known as "O Gloria Immarcebal," whatever. <laughs> O Unfading Glory, was largely the creation of Jose Domingo Torres, an actor from Bogota who saw a poem, who took a poem written by former Colombian President Rafael Nunez and asked a friend, opera singer, Oreste Sindisi, to set it to music. Oh my God, you know I love the operatic South American national anthem. I, I haven't, I intentionally haven't listened to it because I wanted, I, I want to hope that it is one of those, uh, those South American anthems that I love so much that the world bristles at Joe. We're like the, the two people that love them the most in the world. Lyrics, independence, war, sacrifice, independence shouts the American world. The land of Columbus is bathed in hero's blood. Fun facts. The law 198 of 1995, which legislates national symbols says its broadcast, the National Anthem's broadcast, became mandatory for all radio and television in the country at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. All right. If it's on okay. the air at those times, it better be good, Joe. See what we got here. Oh, 
Wow. Wow. That was great. That was that was very operatic. My favorite thing about the like South American opera anthems is the like moment when you think it's over and then it starts back up again. Yeah. And this one had like six of those. Yeah. I can like see the waveform and it is normally I don't like the anthems that are like the same shit over and over again. I, I don't know. I, I like this. I just, every time I could see it was like, it, there was going to like be one more. And I was like, yes, do it yeah, one more no, time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Lay it on us. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Not quite Uruguay, but it was pretty good. Uh, I think this is eight and a half. Yeah. I, I think it's a fair score. Maybe, maybe even a little high. It, I, I really enjoyed it, but I felt like the Uruguay one takes you on a journey. Like, this, mm-hmm. we just went to a place that was great. It, it was like, it took us to a candy store, and then we just like did laps around the candy store. Like, yeah, it took you on a journey, but it was a short journey that it took you on a few yeah, times. Yeah, it was a short journey. And it was great. Yeah. Maybe a, a, a roller coaster is like a better example, where it's just like loop de loop, another loop de loop, another loop de loop. And it was great. <coughs> but, you know, right, there was, right. it, it, you, you knew where it was going you know it wasn't no no twists and turns or anything 
other than the loop de loops, which are twists and turns. Well, you know, I thought it was great. <laughs> love, love the South American accent. <laughs> All right, one category left, Joe. Top player to watch. Why not, Joe? Of course, we've got to pick somebody who plays in the Bundesliga. Of course, we've got to <laughs> we've got to pick an up and coming player. He plays for Bayern Munich. He's 26 years old. He's none other than James Rodriguez, central midfielder. Colombia relies on an experienced squad. Because of a lack of exciting up-and-comers, the pick is James. Great technique, amazing vision, awesome shooting and crossing. He appeared on the big stage during the last World Cup in 2014 when he won the Golden Ball as the tournament's top scorer and was selected for the All-Star team. He scored 21 goals in 62 appearances for Colombia. And your beloved FIFA 18, 87, and a 90 potential. David gives his... A 9 out of 10. I mean, who doesn't love Hamas? What an exciting up-and-coming talent. I mean, it, it was fun just to to have, like, a new player shoot onto the world stage and just become a household name in, like, two weeks. It's true. Can you imagine? I mean, had we been doing this podcast four years ago, for whatever reason, this certainly would have been David's pick for player to watch. Definitely. And it would have been like the most like, like predictive pick. You would be like, "Oh my god, I heard that on the podcast." And yeah, this guy is great. Yeah, no, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think Hamez is a little too much of a household name right now to be sort of the up and comer that we usually have in this category. But it's true. I mean, what a fun player to watch. He he's going to look great in that Colombian kit, which I forgot to mention is awesome. Yeah, by the it's way, a great kit. Uh, uh, this is, and no knock on him. This is just because. You know, we prefer the players that are like, you know, future household yeah. names, it's, not it's current a bell ones. Curve. You want, you want I'm the, say, the Gabriel Jesus, yeah. you want the Dabalas of the world. Yeah, I'm going to stop it with Dabala. I'm going to say, I'm going to say <laughs> seven out of 10. Look, Joe, he got his comeuppance. They all, they all get yeah, it at right. the end. That's right. Seven out of 10. All right. One category left, Joe. I mean, uh, Columbia, they're doing pretty well. Even if they got a zero on the drink, they they almost assuredly be in. What did uh, you're you're not having the drink, although you're you're having a similar drink, um, and I I can tell you this uh, Cristal Sin Azucar, it, it it tastes very similar to that Zambuca you're drinking now, a little smoother. Look, look, I think I. Uh, love Zambuca. I would. Lo- I can't wait to try this drink. That's a little smoother. I, think I guarantee you, you'll love it. You, Dan, you bought with your guarantee that I'll love it. You bought yourself a lot of goodwill with that Sabrauka. So I'm going to say if it's you know my love for Zambuca, and you're saying I'm going to love it, I'm going to say eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half. Wow. All right. Well, look, this is no Zabrauka. I don't. I don't. No, I know. I know. I'm you're not, not saying, saying that. it's Zabrauka. Like. I would reach for Zabrowka to give to random strangers to be like, try this amazing thing. This is not like that. This is just a nice, smooth no, drink. Sure, it's, sure, it's sure. a lot like Aquavit in a way, but I think this is a little um, more neutral than Aquavit. I think Aquavit has a little bit more going on. This is – it's just it's just a little smoother. I mean you can really – you could just guzzle this whole bottle down which I'm sure 
A lot of people do while nervously watching their Colombian team play. But um, anyways, wow, great score for Colombia. Trying to figure out if they're the highest scoring team yet. I mean, this is tip-top stuff here. They are the second highest. Wow, this is crazy. I wish I had this better organized. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wow. They're behind Argentina, but they're coming in 7.56, Joe. Second, second, they're, they're 0.02 behind Argentina. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, wow. this is, this is huge. I, I didn't even, I mean, this sort of snuck up on me because they don't really have, they, oh, they do have a 10 in celebrities. Oh boy, that Shakira helped a lot. I think you, you, the drink is a little generous score. I think if you were drinking this, you wouldn't give it eight and a half. I think you'd probably give it about a seven. Um, but you're look, it, it wouldn't make a difference, Joe. Whether you gave it a seven, whether you gave it an eight and a half, they'd be in if you gave the drink a zero. So, I mean, it's their second highest ranked team, Joe. Let's just pass them on. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. I mean, their lowest score is a four in atrocities. Outside of that, their next lowest score is a seven. I mean, this this team is is sort of uh, itching uh, your your scratches. No, scratching your itch. Oh boy. <laughs> Wait, are they are they picking my choices or are they choosing my picks? <laughs> Maybe this uh, Cristal San Azucar is uh, doing a little more damage than I thought. Oh, this Germany episode is going to be fun. <laughs> well, I. Boy, I got to get my lineup for that. My my original plan was to go through the tour of Germany and drink all four pints, but that is not happening <laughs> this one. I'm just going to have to pick two of them. Uh, but anyways, hey, Joe, Columbia's in. We No need for the poll or no need for the fake poll because we're going to be right back in a couple minutes. And, uh, yeah, I can't even stagger the posting. I'm just going to have to post it. Our poor fans are going to have to listen to like five hours of podcasts this weekend. But yeah, I mean, look, look, we all have our we all have our picks to bear. <laughs> oh, Joe, may your choices be prosperous. Hail Joe. 